3: T's and C's apply in South Wales, authorisation number tp slash 01005. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you all. And uh, Ian Smith here between 9 and 12 this morning. And uh, we've got uh, a pretty celebratory Uh, Show this morning because we uh, are going to talk to uh, Dr. Farah Palmer uh, about the 100th Test match coming up this weekend for the Black Ferns. Symbolic, very symbolic, and of course, Farah Palmer being so much a part of world women's rugby. Uh, Deepak Patel, uh, we had uh, about two weeks ago, is going to come back on the show. We'll talk about um, the T20 World Cup now that it's uh, seriously underway, and this big match coming up against India for us uh, at the weekend. Uh, What do we do? Who do we play? And what about the spin bowling side of it as well uh, just after 10 o'clock Nisbo's going to come in because uh, we're going to have a reflection uh, on bowden barrett's 100th test match of course it's been confirmed that uh, he will start in the 10 jersey this weekend which is great uh, and uh, looking at the prospects for for that test match as well jeff mctanche and ravinda hunia will be on our panel this morning uh, Ravinda of course will give us a bit of an update uh, On the UFC coming up this weekend Including Dan Hooker uh, Matt Williams from Surf Life Saving Northern Region He's the CEO uh, Swimming between the flags time What about uh, Surf Life Saving in, in this country How's it stacking up Numbers are good, are they um, Finance good, we'll see And uh, Michael Guerin of course Harness racing our segment as always On a Friday
1: Sport is our religion And here is
4: Smithy Sermon
2: and so it's official, Bodie gets the 10 jersey, and with it comes the 100 and the prized silver cap. The mercurial man from that proud Taranaki sporting clan will become the 11th All Black to achieve the feat. And with the ton and the cap comes the tag great, although to be fair, he's worn that deservedly well for some time now. His eye for a gap, his raw speed from a standing start, and his finishing prowess are his trademarks. The truth be known. They were probably developed at a very early age. Having seven siblings would tend to make you pretty slick at times if you don't want to miss out. From his beginnings on the farm in Pungarehu through Francis Douglas Memorial College and Don't They Produce Some Quality to the Amber and Blacks, Bodie's rise was swift, predictable uh, to most with a discerning eye. 2012, he debuted for the All Blacks coming off the bench against the Irish, which had a small sense of romanticism in itself. As with the family, he spent his eighth eight year living there in Ballinacree. All black number 1115 has, during the last 10 years, had us sitting on the edge of our seats or standing to attention when he has often exploded into action. The same 1115 has had us sitting a little further back in our seats and watching nervously through our hands as he approaches the kicking tee for that crucial two or that crucial three pointer. He has always commanded attention Whatever the involvement, doesn't he just love a crossfield kick and don't we just love it when he finds his mark? The small reflection hasn't time for a montage of those magic Bodie Barrett moments. There are simply too many. Perhaps just time for one. Remember this on the biggest occasion in the game. And to be honest, to be perfectly honest and reflected in the commentary, did any of us want anyone else chasing Bender's little nudge? I don't think so. Oden Barrett may well be the greatest impact player from the bench the All Blacks have ever had, but he fully deserves the honour to be leading us out this Sunday morning in Cardiff. He remains that damn good. It is 9.07 here on SCNZ and uh, our first guest today really needs no introduction but we're going to give her one anyway because Fern number 68, captain of three World Cup winning teams in 1998, 2002, 2006. She won 29 of the 30 tests as skipper, played in 35 in total from 1996 to 2006 starting all but one of those in the number two jersey. She's in the World Rugby Hall of Fame she is now the Deputy Chair of New Zealand Rugby and our women's competition is named after her. And it's a real pleasure for me to welcome onto the show this morning uh, Dr Farah Palmer. Good morning Farah, thanks for joining us. Kia uh, ora
5: Ian and thank you for
2: inviting me. Uh, this is symbolic this weekend and I know um, you know it's taken a while for uh, the Black Ferns to play 100 Test matches, but it is. It's very special and in and, and all I think a, ref- a time for reflection on on what the ladies, what you girls have done for this game over that period of time. So it's a, it's a special one.
5: It definitely is. You know, we love to celebrate milestones, and especially because it has taken a long time. You know, I played for 10 years and, and pretty much only had 35 tests. So it's great to see that the number of games uh, were ramping up, that was until COVID hit. Uh, so they are really, really chomping at the bit to play this game against
2: uh, one of their closest rivals. Uh, so yeah, I think they're pretty excited. I'd imagine around uh, New Zealand, uh, there'll be a lot of, uh, of former players uh, like yourself who, who will take special meaning out of this game because of, of uh, what you have put in uh, and they have put in throughout the years to get uh, women's rugby to where it is now.
5: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there was a a team put together way back in 1989, and they played in a festival in Christchurch, and Laurie O'Reilly had a lot to do with that, but that wasn't an official team. It wasn't until 1991 that it was considered an official New Zealand women's team, and they played in the unofficial World Cup in Wales. So, you know, if you think about the struggles and the challenges and the determination of all the people that were really passionate about women's rugby, it's great to see that we've got to this milestone. It's great to see that our teams are acknowledged and at the moment they're semi-professional. And it's great to see that the number of girls and women playing rugby, but also being involved in rugby and other roles really kind of increasing.
2: Yeah, I mean, it is. It, is, it really is. It's it's growing at a rate. Um, a lot of people want it to grow even quicker, and, and I imagine it will do. And uh, test matches like this will, uh, I, I think, emphasise that point. It's been twenty six months, uh, far since the last test that uh, the Black ferns uh, were able to play. So, man, it's been a long time, and, and I, I just wonder, I just wonder how well prepared they'll be. I, uh, the mental side of it, they'll be. The expectation has been there for so long, but now that it's finally arrived, they haven't had the greatest of build ups, have they? No, they haven't. You know, with um,
5: COVID, they ended up having to kind of like play against teams and. And we had, um, you know, the Pacifica kind of contingent within New Zealand helping out with that. They've so had lots of cats, but nothing beats having a test match. And, you know, to play against England, so we've only lost to four nations, England, France, uh, the luck of the Irish one year, and uh, the USA way back in 1991. So you know, this, these are going to be some tough games. We've had a little bit of a warm-up. They had, like, two 60-minute games against the under-20s team and, and Wales, so that was good for them just to get that fit out. Uh, and we've had the FPC and we've had, you know, all that kind of stuff, but but they really will be um, kind of, like, hitting their straps safely totally and, and doing what they do when you wear a black jersey, just taking it up a couple of notches.
2: Yeah, well, I played. You played ninety nine. The Black Ferns ninety nine. tests. The one. Amazing record. This one eighty six drawn one, lost twelve. Uh, but as you say, I would imagine that if, if I look at these two sides, and and you know, and it hasn't been a lot of rugby recently, but this is probably the match up uh, that uh, is top of the tree at the moment with the teams going around uh, England versus the Black Ferns. Yeah, I mean, England and France are. You know, France mm-hmm. has been our
5: nemesis as well. You know, whenever we play them, they just they just play such a different style of, of game. And I don't know, when I was playing, playing against England was really, I don't know, that just made made the hairs on, on your on your skin kind of stand up and you just couldn't wait to try and beat them. So I'm sure that the players will all be really, really excited about this game and, and so they should, you know, this is leading into the, the Rugby World Cup uh, which was meant to be played in 2021, is now playing in 2022. And it's on our home soil. Now, what a privilege it is to host the World Cup. Mm-hmm. So they will be wanting to say, look, we're on the, on the way back again.
2: Well, you'll be heavily involved in that. How how are the arrangements um, uh, for that World Cup coming along?
5: Oh, we've got a great group um, led by Michelle Hooper that are doing everything to kind of keep it in front of mind. We had some limited sales that sold in minute within minutes and on the 1st mm. of November you can start buying uh, package deals for the game so we're, we're, it's going really well, we're connecting with the communities in Whangarei and Auckland we're, we're getting you know the marketing side of things and we really want to make it a massive festival and, and event, uh, we just kind of need COVID to kind of like well not disappear but be in that manageable kind of range and uh, we can do what we can to get people to come along to the games and support our, our
2: Black Ferns one, one of the things about the Black Ferns that, that I can recall over those years is you've always had a great a great standard of leadership you've always had inspirational uh, leaders within the group uh, Tell us a wee bit about uh, Les Elder the current captain, what impresses you about her? Oh look,
5: Liz is is one of those people that just gives 100% to anything that she does. You know, she's just recently had a baby and she came back from that pretty quickly. And she's she's a little pocket, you know, she's pocket rock. She's not very big, but, man, she's strong and she's got a strong heart. Uh, she's fit as and she's pretty hard-nosed. So she'll tell you you know, a spade is a spade. She won't muck around. She keeps everybody honest, uh, so yeah, typical kind of flanker person, just really into it. So she's a great, great leader. And, you know, there are some amazing leaders within there, and some great um, personalities as well. You know, they get on social media and they do all their TikTok dances, so they're really engaged.
2: Look, uh, you mentioned before it's, uh, it represents a great chance to build up for uh, next year's World Cup, but uh, twelve debutants in the squad uh, for this four-match tour, so. Um, Coach Glenmore, he's dug deep hasn't he With that in mind
5: Yeah you know As I said we haven't, they haven't had a very good I, I still say we As if I'm in the team, I'm not in the team <laughs> They yeah. haven't They haven't had a great build up So this is an opportunity to really get them to cut Their teeth and uh, you know, They have taken a bigger squad and I'm, I'm pretty sure they're aiming to give everybody Some game time So it's just giving those newbies a chance to demonstrate that they deserve to be in the starting lineup, and you know they will. And they've got some some cool heads, some mature players in there, but they've also got some young ones, and that'll just be a really exciting environment to be in.
2: Look, without um, spending much time on the field internationally, the game is certainly going ahead behind the scenes. Of course, the the Palmer Cup, named after you, it, it grows in strength the whole time, and uh, it was great, I think, to see Waikato win it. Uh, to end that Canterbury dominance, because it just shows that the spread is there. Um, but the other thing, of course, I've noticed being the announcement and the introduction shortly of Super Rugby or Picky. Uh, um, how many women's players do you think will be f- uh, fully professional as a result of this?
5: Uh, I don't know if they'll be fully professional. There'll be those that have already got contracts with uh, the Sevens, Black and Sevens. They've just come off their kind of amazing campaign at the Olympics. And then we'll have some that are semi-professional that are Black Ferns 15 players. But for some, it will be their first taste of kind of what it it means to be in this professional space. So they're only together for a short amount of time. I think it might be four to six weeks or something. And it'll just be intense. So I think that'll be a good indication of whether they can uh, take that kind of pressure. But, man, it's an exciting competition. Now, I know all the teams are kind of really getting behind um, your branding and coming up with new names and things like that. And the Super Rugby Clubs are really behind it as well. So that would be a short, sharp intense experience of what it means to be a professional rugby player.
2: What about the advancement of uh, women's coaches as well? Because we see uh, Steve Hanson's daughter Whitney is with the team in the UK as an intern at the moment. I, I would imagine at some stage, uh, when the time is right, uh, a fully-fledged uh, women's coaching group in charge of the Black Ferns would be quite ideal.
5: Yeah, we're working behind the scenes, uh, New Zealand Rugby are, to try and k- kind of get those women into those roles and leading up. And I'm I'm pretty sure that um, although there are no head coaches in the Super Rugby team, Aipiki uh, teams, there are going to be assistant coaches here that are female. And we, we know that this is an area we can improve on. I know there are some amazing female coaches out there. So, yes, that is part of our aspiration, to get more women into coaching roles, more women in governance, more women involved in those leadership roles throughout rugby.
2: Farah, we know that uh, you enjoyed the playing aspect of it. How are you enjoying uh, the administration side of it? Uh, the Jet GD chair role is, uh, is a very high-profile one. So uh, how are you enjoying uh, that side of the game?
5: Yes, like being in the middle of the scrum again. It's, it's, you know, it's in the front line. It's it's interesting. It's not for everybody, but I love it. I had a go at coaching. I was terrible at it. I had a go at doing the kind of rugby commentary. I was terrible at that too. So I found my space in the governance space, and it's really exciting to see all of the really... um, innovative things we're doing to try and reimagine rugby and trying to combine that balance of looking after the community game but also looking after the commercial and professional side of of the sport as well. So I'm really loving it. Um, Yes, so I'm hoping to stay there for a few more years yet and really want to see our Rugby World Cup next year kind of being a a special moment for us.
2: I think it's a great reflection too on the power of, of administration and the power of rugby itself that even in these times... Um, of uncertainty around the world, that we can send our top two uh, rugby teams across the other side of the world and they can basically play uh, in the same vicinity in the space of 24 hours. So I just think that's fantastic for the game.
5: Yeah, it is, you know, and we have got lots of challenges at this time, but we're up for it. And that's what I'm most... We have been able to be really agile as an organisation and do what we can, you know, even at the, the provincial level to see if we can get some games going and just give people a chance to to experience our game whether that's as a player or a spectator or as a volunteer and just enjoy it because you know nothing like getting a bunch of people together passionate about a certain kaupapa and it's just really uplifting.
2: Mm. Father Palmer thank you very much uh, for your time this morning loved hearing your reflections and I I know when they kick off um, this weekend that um, you'll have a special thought for what's gone by in the past and the fact that you're celebrating that 100th. Enjoy it. Let's hope they win it and enjoy it. And uh, thanks again for your time.
5: Thank you very much.
2: Thank you. Dr. Fara Palmer there, of course, probably one of the most famous famous women's rugby players, not just in New Zealand, but in the world. And now, of course, loving the administration side of it and putting back in to the game. Fantastic person. So, uh, look, 9.19 here on SENZ. Uh, Subject for the day, I think it's Bowden Barrett for me. Uh, Where does he rank? Uh, uh, double eight, double three. Where does Bodie rank? Uh, is he close to DC in your mind, Dan Carter? Where is he number two? Is he ahead of? Um, is he ahead of Mertz? Is he even ahead of Richie? Uh, let's hear your opinion on that. And what has Bowden Barrett meant to you as a rugby fan? What is so special about him as he goes towards playing his, his 100? So let's make it. A Bowdoin day, a Bowden Barrett day anyway to begin with and of course you've got that opportunity with a great text to, to nab that temper pillow at the post, $299 worth this week. Uh, we're giving away, we'll announce that this morning uh, and also uh, that uh, prize, that $10,000 prize goes uh, of the Queen mattress, Queen adjustable base and the pillows uh, and that is uh, courtesy of temper. Um, it's very, very exciting. So we'll, uh, we'll be back uh, very shortly. So get those texts coming in. Double eight, double three.
3: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Uh, Going to be talking to by Grant but after 10 o'clock this morning. And uh, we'll be talking, uh, focusing in on uh, Bodie Barrett's career so far, uh, as well as uh, what's coming up with this Test match against Wales. Over the weekend, uh, already uh, a text is coming from Harry to say, Bodie, in my opinion, is second behind DC. The way he could change a game in the blink of an eye was uh, special. Uh, He still can. Only thing holding him back at the moment is his uh, average goal kicking. And it it is nerve-wracking, to be fair, when he he runs in for that vital kick that may win or lose a game for you that uh, you do sit on the edge of your seat and you do tend to wonder, haven't got that same surety as when Grant Fox or or Dan uh, Dan Carter were lining them up. But uh, on top of that, uh, they perhaps at times didn't have his electrifying pace and his ability to just go from uh, dead stop to very quick in a short space of time, in other words, finding those gaps. So that's one of the things I I remember about Bowden Barrett. Raw speed, and not just an attack too. What about the the times that he's he's run back on defence to get us out of trouble? Uh, You know, he's not the biggest tackler in the world, but his ability to get back, chase down a ball... the opposition to the mark uh, has been quite amazing over the over the years too so the other trademarks you always tend to reflect a wee bit on a guy when he's coming up to a milestone like that so we'd love you to do that on eighty eight thirty-three. 33. smithy really looking forward to you chatting with matt williams it's crazy the lack of funding surf life saving new zealand receives from the government every year they provide an invaluable service performed mainly by volunteers new zealanders have a love for the water and almost weekly we hear of drowning tragedies Without getting into a political rant, surely the government could see the numbers of lives that could be saved by providing more funding resources and people on the ground for our hard-working lifesavers. It's a no-brainer for me. Chris, really good text that uh, pre-empting that interview uh, with Matt Williams, uh, which will be coming up later this morning, probably just after 11 o'clock. and uh, It's on the back of an article uh, that I read that uh, they're cutting down on numbers, and that concerned me a wee bit because I don't think it'll be, once the weather comes good, I don't think there'll be any less swimmers. Uh, hey, Smithy, interesting fact, it is Bowden Barrett's 50th start this weekend at First 5.8 as well. Thanks, Chase, from uh, who Always uh, on the mark, Chase. Love hearing from you uh, every day. Also, uh, when you talk to Deepak Patel, Smithy, can you uh, ask Deepak what he thinks of Santana's bowling action? Has it changed? Is it a bit suspect? Uh, that's from Cam, who's looking forward to the possibility of winning a temper pillow this morning. So uh, there you go. And uh, another one coming back saying, um, look, uh, the supercars are back this weekend. Absolutely pumped. So it's a massive, it's a massive weekend of sport, John. There's no doubt about it. Um, For me, I think Derby Day um, with the racing uh, at Flemington, one of the great race days uh, in uh, Australasia, I think probably the best in terms of quality. Uh, So that's going to be front and centre for me, but it doesn't um, mean it's going to overtake the All Blacks. Uh, The All Blacks
3: and the Black fans, your highlight coming up? Absolutely, and of course the Marco against Canterbury, but that's very insular sort of Crusaders thing to look forward to. Um, I was looking forward to this team, Smithy. I like Ethan Blackadder at six, so looks like he's usurped Akira Iwani. Which is an interesting one for me. I mean, it wasn't long ago that we were all saying lock in Akira for the sixth jersey, but now it's Ethan Blackadder, so that's uh, definitely up for grabs. And TJ Peronata getting the nod at nine mm. uh, to join Bowden Barrett. Of course, they played so much rugby together, haven't they? So I wonder, is that the thinking there, uh, to keep that combination together? Or do the coaches simply think that TJ Peronata is better than Brad Webber? So... Yep, All Blacks team, lots of rugby for me. And yeah, the Black Ferns, really looking forward to them. But I'm annoyed that all their games are at about 3 or 3.30 in the morning. Um, terrible timing for us here in New Zealand. Quarter past five for the All Blacks against Wales, which is OK. But yeah, those Black Ferns games are all in the middle of the night, Smithy, which is a little bit annoying for me. But hey, well, it's just that problems.
2: It's that time, John, uh, to be honest, because uh, look at all those uh, T20 World Cup games as well. Three o'clock starts most of them. Uh, at best you get an 11 o'clock one that takes you through to about two in the morning. Three o'clock starts for the second game so uh, just because uh, everything's happening on the other side of the world but the good news is at least it's happening uh, and so is the news. Uh, here's Trudy, it's 9:30.) Plus nine thirty-two here on SENZ, and uh, Deepak Patel has been good enough to join us uh, for the second time in a short space of time to reflect on what's happening in this T20 World Cup. Uh, of course, Deepak was uh, very uh, influential in New Zealand and uh, white ball cricket in his time, bowling at the start of an innings, bowling in the middle of an innings, so he knows exactly about the tactical side of things. Uh, good morning to you again, uh, Deepak. It's, uh, it's been fairly eventful event in the last since we last spoken. Uh, a few interesting results. The Quentin de Cock scenario. Uh, I see this morning he has um, he's apologised for his partner and explained exactly what was going on. Did, did you have any read on on the the Quentin de Cock uh, situation there?
6: Yeah, morning, Steve. Uh, look, no, I must admit, it was a bit of a shock to to, my, to me uh, when I first heard about it and read about it. So, uh, yeah, no, no, uh, certainly the world Cups certainly bring a, a, a lot of flavor to it but this this certainly was out of left field it, 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 there's no question about it there. but uh yeah look uh credit to him he, he rounded up and, and explained himself and i think uh that's enough for me to be honest with you and i think we need to move on uh let's not uh start bringing politics into it but uh it's fair to say Cricket South Africa and Clinton himself didn't handle it very well and uh, yeah, just lack of communication and, and, and uh, yeah, uh, that's what's caused the issue.
2: Yeah, I think you're right and I think the best scenario here is that they pick him and he plays the next game because they're, uh, they're playing OK. Um, but the teams that are playing well impressing me at the moment, um, England are playing well. England playing a really good form of the game at the moment.
6: Yeah, they are. Uh, in my books, I think that they better have to be the favourites at this stage in the tournament. Um, yeah, they're very professional. I think they've been very clear in their planning. Uh, and you know, with Morgan under, under Morgan, I think that that they they've got their their tactics, their strategies. But most most importantly, uh, I think they've got the balance right in their team. And I think that's going to be the critical part. Uh, As as we go deeper into this tournament
2: If we look at balance then um, What did you make um, of our performance Against uh, Pakistan, admittedly They had to uh, reinvent a couple of things late Because of the injury to Lockie Ferguson Um, But did they invent in the right way for you? Could they have done something different?
6: No, look, uh, hindsight's obviously a great thing But, you know, it's fair to say If you've been watching Games. I mean, I only watch highlights, so I don't watch four games, uh, admittedly. But it just gives me the impression the ball's not swinging, and that nullifies our top two opening bowlers, so to speak, in, in Saudi and in bulk. So if we're not taking wickets look at the start of the innings, uh, yeah, look, uh, we're, we're going to struggle. And I just felt we were a bowler light, really, whether you go in with extra pace or lucky situation didn't help. And that alone, uh, you know. Uh, on Lockie's part, he gets injured a lot, doesn't he? Uh, and mm. certainly that didn't help our cause. And not being able to play an extra seamer, particularly with pace. So if the ball's not going to swing, you, you need pace. And if you if you haven't got that extra pace, you just nullifies the, the taking wickets at the start of the innings. And uh, Opening with Satna, uh, uh, although it's a good move, but again, you know, my worries are he's not an attacking spinner. Uh, while he's economical, uh, he's not a wicket-taking option, and I, I still believe if you are going to open the bowling with spinners, it's got to be an attacking option, and I just felt that we just lacked that ability to take wickets early, early on, and particularly in the first power play, and I think that cost us already.
2: And that's interesting in itself because these are quite small grounds uh, for this particular tournament. And that makes uh, opening with a spinner who's not really turning it even more susceptible, I think, Deepak, because you've got to look, you're only allowed, what, two people out. Uh, Just where the hell do you bowl? Where do you you have them? And and, and if it's not turning for you, if it's not swinging for you, I mean, you can be taken early. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I'd
6: rather see this open, to be honest with you. Um, as much as it takes away that attacking option in the middle with this. Uh, but, you know, he gets a lot more overspin on the ball. You know, on these wickets, they, they don't bounce a lot. Um, although then, they don't spin. But because he's getting a lot of overspin, then he bowls a lot of these sort of underspin as well, which skids on and stays low. So he's going to be far more effective. You just need spinners who have that ability to... to to not only change up, but you've got to have that ability to be able to hit the wickets and get lbws, not just relying on getting, you know, uh, wickets in the deep. Uh, like you say, you're only about two, two fielders out in the, the first power play, so that nullifies probably Setner's strength that he gets more wickets in the at-field and he will do uh, 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 with uh, balls and lbws. So, yeah, we need to find a remedy there somewhere where. I still think that they'd have to pick Mill uh, with the extra pace uh, mm. and hope that he's going to be the guy that's going to pick up early wickets. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I just, I'm just i very uncomfortable with our, our bowling uh, set-up, to be honest with you, uh, Smitty.
2: Yeah, I, I am too a little bit because I, I think we're still trying to sort it out and I, I would have thought we would have done that by now. And, uh, I uh, I wonder about our best death bowlers because that in this tournament appears to be where the real pressure is going on, uh, the inability to defend on these smaller grounds. So if you look at our de- best death bowling combination, uh, what would it be? I mean, uh, does Milne form part of that as well or are we looking to go just to Bolton, uh, someone else?
6: Yeah, look. I think that uh, you know, in the past we've tried to use Tim as well, and I think he has struggled bowling at the death. I don't think he's an option. Uh, Trent's done it very well in the past, but I think it comes down to the fact is that I, I don't know how much planning's gone into place. Really, um, I don't know whether there were really clear plans in place before the tournament started. I think they're trying to sort of. Sort of uh, as the tournament goes along and they're, they're trying to sort of patch it up and I don't think that's mm-hmm. going to be in our Um uh, We certainly have got the, 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 the players but I don't know whether we've got the combination right uh, whether it's mm. bowling or batting to be honest with you. So, yeah, I, I think we, we seriously need to... to you know, uh, it's fair to say that uh, the next game is a critical one. Uh, we lose, we're out of the tournament. So... Uh, Yeah, the decision makers are going to
2: have to come up with the right there's no question about it. Okay, well I did a little bit of homework on this ground, it's a Dubai International Stadium and uh, 150 hasn't been enough. Uh, Chasing has been relatively easy to get to 150, Um, uh, Australia did that just last night in fact, uh, chasing down um, Sri Lanka's runs quite simply with about three overs to spare. So clearly uh, you've got to be setting your sights higher than 150 for me. Uh, so what what is our batting combination? The uh, fact are we looking are we looking at Conway going up? Are we leaving Nishim at four? I mean, are we starting with Mitchell? These are questions that I would have thought would have been answered by now, but here we are, as you say, going into the biggest game of all, and uh, a lot of people tend to be guessing about this.
6: Yeah, look, I think uh, you and I probably agree on that. But uh, yeah, I didn't see this happening. Uh, I didn't see the batting order they went in with if that was uh, pre-tournament planning, well, I think they've got it horribly wrong, to be, to be frank um, yeah, you're one of your best batsmen, you've got to have your top four as your best batsman in P20 cricket, you just can't have you know, people like Conway coming in at, at, at five and six, no, that, that's, that's wrong, you've got to get him up to the top of the order, and he's very effective with the new ball, he's a smart batsman uh, and, and the fact is, he can actually pace the innings for you. That, that's, the, that's the critical part. You need to, although it's a short game, you still need a guy that's going to have the ability to be able to pace the innings for you, and 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 come up with the right formula when he, when when you need the boundaries, uh, and where you need a guy to just run it around and 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 set up the innings. So, yeah, I think that's where we definitely went wrong. There, there's no question about it. He has to open. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure sure about Neeson um, Yeah, I don't know I don't know We've got to have, like you said Top four batsmen have to be your best batsmen You've got to play your cards up front uh, And like you say 160 uh, is not going to be enough You've got to get You know, you've got to get that 170, 180 uh, So, yeah um, I still believe that uh, You know um, Conway's the best option is opening. Uh, I'm not sure about Mitchell. I mean, again, he, 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 he hasn't produced it at the top level. Uh, he may have done it at domestic level, but this is a different kettle of fish. You know, this is knockout cricket, it's just international cricket, and you know you, you can't be t- uh, testing and, and trying out new things when 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 they haven't worked in the past. So. Yeah, I think some big decisions have to be made. Um, and where do you go to? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I, but certainly Conway uh, is a biggie for me. He has to open, in my opinion.
2: And then, of course, uh, we haven't even focused on the enemy, uh, who are under amazing pressure here. To think that India might be bailed out of an I, um, an ICC event, pretty much, I mean, this, as you say, is... is it's the game of death in the group. I think you lose this, you can't, ha- you won't have the opportunity to make it up. Uh, so what about the pressure on India here, on on Kohli, on MS Stoney in the dressing room, uh, on Ravi Shastri? This is immense for them, so they will be feeling it.
6: <laughs> no question about it, Stockley. Um, yeah, look, uh, it's massive. Um, it's a huge game for, for India. Um, and, yeah, I, I think... Uh, it's fair to say they're in disarray. Uh, I think inside the dressing room, they've got issues. Um, I think there's a fair bit of confusion as to what balance they I mean, we think that we've got problems, but I think they've got an even bigger problem. So really, it really plays into our hands. we, we just got to really make sure that well, we're well prepared. We've done our homework on their, their set-up uh, and make sure that, uh, yeah, we capitalise on it. Because, yeah, I, I don't think... They're playing at the top of their game. Um, you know, you know. I, I look at look. At, I, I'm not that close to T20 cricket, but when I look at the setup of the, the the teams and certainly the big stars who have been successful in IPL recent IPL games have failed to deliver. And Look at the West Indies. You know, they've got a handful of players who are all playing... Uh, in, uh, in the IPL have been very successful but when it comes to t 20 World Cup it's a different ball game and I, I actually believe that I don't think uh, India is as well prepared as that uh, look let's let, let, let be under no illusions. they certainly have got some big match winners, there's no question about it, but are they organised are they are they playing as a team, I don't think they are uh, and I think Kohli's is one of the big Big part of it because uh, he's he's standing down as captain at the end of the end of the tournament. Uh, there's a lot of discontent within the dressing room about him, uh, and there's a lot of divisions within the team too. So, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know whether I'll I'll stay up and watch it, but uh, it'll mm. be a very interesting game. I must admit.
2: Yeah, watch the space. I think uh, I think it's fascinating for a number of reasons. Hey Dip, always good to catch up with you. Man, uh, thanks so much for uh, answering the call and helping us out this morning. And those thoughts are invaluable. So uh, we look forward to it. And uh, let's uh, enjoy a, a really busy weekend of sport. Thanks again. Pleasure, Cheers, uh, Deepak Patel here uh, with his thoughts. Particularly, uh, I was interested to listening about the, that bowling at the top and where you set your field. Uh, and your strategies uh, at the very start. And, and you've got to have a plan. You can't just roll in and bowl one side of the wicket or the other side of the wicket because you've got to think about where those guys are in the deep. And, and if you want to have pe- people hitting in that area, uh, you have to bowl a very, very tight line, particularly if you're not spinning it. Uh, and your control has to be exemplary in those situations. Is Santa that good uh, on these pitches at the moment? I'm not sure. Um, he's doing a pretty good job. Uh, but could he be better placed somewhere else? Could Or could we attack India with pace right from the outset? I, I think that's a good theory. Uh, 9.46 here on SENZ. Uh, multi-time before uh, 10 o'clock. Uh, a rugby-based one for the weekend. A really good round of golf this morning by Danny Lee, of course, who's uh, lost his card on the PGA, but is playing in the latest event. He'll be on a sponsor's in- invite uh, this morning. So he's 4-under uh, um, after his first round of and the leader is uh, Hagee. He's on uh, six under. And our bet for the weekend, our uh, championship bet in between the two teams, uh, the four shows, of course, uh, is uh, Patrick Reed at 340 to finish in the top five. Well, he's second equal at the moment after the first round. So we're on track there, but uh, that's good news for Danny Lee, and uh, he certainly needs it. Uh, some good texts coming in. Uh, BB, uh, Bowden Barrett would sit second equal for the most skillful All Black I've seen. Uh, says Zane, alongside Christian Callum, both behind... DC, probably the best impact player we've seen in the black jersey. Uh, Bodie is number two for for mine behind DC. Says Matt from Blenheim. If he were more consistent, I'd have uh, them neck and neck, perhaps even Bodie slightly ahead, because there's no denying when he's hot, he's blistering. Also, it's a shame his goal kicking has gone downhill. I say that because when he first emerged for Taranaki, he was banging them over from everywhere, like Geordie is now. Uh, another couple on uh, the cricket. Uh, Good morning. I'm looking forward to the Black Caps versus India T20 International game more than the All Blacks game. And also looking forward to watching some V8 supercars this weekend. Uh, Brendan, of course, they're in Sydney for the next four weeks. So plenty of supercars action uh, coming up uh, over the next month. And um, a little bit of an analysis here. I think India's problem is that Hardik Panya is not bowling. Otherwise, they would have uh, one more spinner in their lineup. They have to cover that. Um, that uh, particular option, so they probably would have uh, two specialist spinners there in India, so maybe they're carrying a player as well, and that often does not help. And Chris says, um, on what he's seen, the toss will be important in Dubai, you have to bat second because of the Jew. So some interesting thoughts there um, from people coming in, keep them coming in, 8833. 8833 is the text number, and of course, temper prizes are up for grabs this morning, 953.
4: No when the hole. No when the Smithy's malty. Know when to walk away
7: and know when to run.
0: Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB
5: app today.
2: Okay, so yesterday not so good, Brian, so you're sacked. Um, the Astros did beat the Braves, um, but the Celtics couldn't beat Washington, so uh yeah, one out of two, hard luck fella. Um, so uh, we'll let you go So Trudy's come in with one for us today Which is absolutely fantastic She's been doing her homework uh, This is uh, Trudy's one for the weekend um, we're, we're, we're shelving responsibility all around the joint uh, Trudy's gone for Bay of Plenty to beat Waikato this weekend at $1.48 Bay of Plenty's one of her favourite teams, the Steamers uh, She's also delved into uh, Heartland Rugby She's gone West Coast to beat Buller at a buck $1.30 uh, Whanganui to beat North Otago at a forty-two. The Dallas Mavericks, she loves her basketball, to beat San Antonio and the Texas uh, Battle of the Texans, $1.37. And Tottenham, Tottenham and Man U to draw on Monday morning at 3.40. And Trudy says, get on that because that will return you $12.73. Amazing. $12.73, Trudy. Thank you so much for your homework, but your work isn't finished because it's now time for the news. Well, Grant Nisbet joins us this morning at it was uh, around about six years ago, uh, perhaps just a little bit over that Nisbo, but I remember that call. I remember that moment when he, he, he just seized on that uh, little nudge from uh, Ben Smith, and that was game over, World Cup over. Uh, what were your memories of that uh, when we're talking about Bowden Barrett?
7: Oh, good day, Smithy. Uh, yeah, one of the great memories, wasn't it, really? I mean, in a World Cup final, to score a spectacular try like that, and uh, I think that showed Bowden Barrett <coughs> he has exceptional speed and just the ability to be in the right place at the right time. And, um, yeah, I think if I reflect on a fair few years of doing, um, you know, all-black test matches, that would have to be one of the highlights, to be at the, I guess, the home of rugby, Twickenham, uh, to be beating Australia in, in a match which was uh, in the balance. The same Ben Smith, of course, who kicked the ball through, was uh, in the sin bin for a 10 minutes, and in that time the Aussies scored a try, and it was... Um, it was just a great game all round, really, wasn't it? It was a it was a real sporting highlight.
2: It was, and um, you know, uh, as you say, I mean, once he he led the pack, charging for that, it was like it, it it was over so quickly. But you could just see the whole World Cup just arriving on New Zealand's doorstep because it, he was so far in front, and his skills uh, finished it off. And as we're not that far away this weekend um, uh, from Twickenham, as uh, Cardiff, of course. Uh, and that's where he's going to run out uh, for his 100th test match, uh, fully deserving. Uh, I, I'm in a way uh, pretty glad that you made that starting 15. What have you made of that side that they've named this morning?
7: Yeah, I'm a wee bit with you on that. Um, I think it's good in his 100th test that he's, he's actually running out with the team uh, rather than sort of coming off the bench with maybe 20 minutes to go. So um, uh, it's such a toss-up between him and Richie Moonga at the moment, and You know, I don't think there's very much between the two players. There's arguments on both sides. Uh, I think those who support Richie Moonga would probably say he's the incumbent, although, of course, he wasn't in Australia for half the time. The All Blacks were over there, and it gave Barrett an opportunity to kind of re-establish himself, I guess, in the All Blacks after that stint away in Japan. I think looking through the rest of the team, it's it's largely predictable. Um, it's a team um, basically uh, um, selected on form. Uh, you know, you could argue, I guess, at number nine, where TJ Perenara gets the start ahead of Brad Webber. Um, I'm really pleased to see Ethan Blackett being recognised in a major test match like this, because I think his work rate has probably won in the battle over Yuani. And outside of that, I don't really think you can quibble too much
2: with the team. No, it's, um, it is an, an interesting side in, in a couple of areas for me. I'm, I'm still not sure whether we know what our preferred back three is. Uh, this weekend it's Geordie uh, Barrett um, and uh, alongside him Rico Iwani and Will Jordan. But really, uh, I'm a bit of a loss there to say I absolutely know which it is.
7: Well, I think they're feeling the same way. Um, you know, there have, been, uh, there have been attempts to play McKenzie at fullback, uh, but I think most would agree that Geordie Barrett, who spent most of last season on the wing, he seems to be uh, the preferred option there at the moment, and he certainly didn't let himself down in Australia. He played really well, Geordie Barrett. And the goal-kicking, of course, was an absolute bonus. And with the greatest respect to Bowden, uh, I'd rather have Geordie there, sort of covering the um, goal-kicking, because, uh, you know, Bowden's goal-kicking is is not 100%, let's be honest about it. If Moanga were starting, then maybe slightly different, but uh, so Geordie's there on merit without any doubt whatsoever. Will Jordan has been something of a a standout since he started. I think he's got 15 tries and 10 test matches or something ridiculous like that. Um, So really, he has to go. And he has that ability to pop up where others don't and and just uh, cash in on try-scoring opportunities. And I do think that Rico Iwani is better served on the wing. Uh, He's been tried at centre. He's played well at centre on occasions. It just gives him a little more opportunity, a little more freedom out on the wing. So, look, I'm not quibbling at all with that back three. I think it's pretty solid.
2: Right, let's um, uh, look at a couple who aren't there, which is, uh, I guess it's going to be a slow road back for Sam Kane. So uh, the custodian will still be uh, Samuel Whitelock for quite some time, it seems, there. So Kane not in the reserves. Neither Dane Coles, which uh, probably is a a little bit of an eyebrow raiser. They've preferred Sam uh Toki Aho in the sixteen Jersey,
7: yeah, look, they must consider that um, you know for a tough test match like this, Dane Coles is not quite ready because, without any doubt in my mind, um, he along with Cody Taylor are, you can argue one and two or two and one in the all blacks. Um, but I'm thinking that they have looked at Coles, and physically, he looked pretty good in a game in the US. But of course, uh, there wasn't too much contact there. There was a lot of running around, and the sort of uh, rugby that Dane Coles prefers to play, no doubt about it. But he, you know, he can do the tough stuff as well. So. Maybe they've looked at this game and said, "Well, um, you know, we we need a seasoned, uh, hard man to come on." So they've gone with uh, Tokyo. But I, I was a little bit surprised, I have to say, when I when I saw the team because even though he's 30, what, four years of age, Dane Coles, he's still right up there.
2: Mm. Uh, and maybe uh, a starting role for him, perhaps in the next one. Maybe they they're saving the keeping the powder dry for them. Uh, a lot of talk about who Wales have not got, rather than who they have got. Uh, But who they have got uh, of interest to New Zealand uh, viewers, of course, is Gareth Anscombe in 10 and Johnny McNichol in 15. So along with Wayne Pivak, uh, there's a real New Zealand flavour to this outfit.
7: Yeah, there is. There is. I mean, I've been trying to read a lot about the Welsh team this week and, uh, you know, this won't be a bad side. Um, You know, you throw them onto, uh, onto the big stadium in Cardiff in front of the capacity crowd and get them revved up. They'll play all right. Don't worry about that. They've got some pretty hardened veterans in the forwards. You know, Alan Wynne-Jones playing in his 149th test, so Mm. he overtakes Richie McCaw as the the most capped rugby player in history. So a big day for him. Uh, Richard Moriarty is an outstanding loose forward. So is Adam Wainwright. So they've got the basis of a pretty good pack, and as you say, You've got uh, Gareth Anthem, you've got uh, you've got Jonathan Davis, who is an outstanding international player. And Johnny McNichol, I, I think we more associate Johnny McNichol as a winger in his Canterbury days, um, but obviously has turned himself into a pretty handy sort of a fullback. So I, I, um, I, I figure this might be a bad Welsh team at all.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I, I tend to agree with you there, and... Um... Of course, the other thing that never is lacking in uh, Nisbo, and and um, you know, if you haven't experienced it, and and you you can at some stage get to um, Millennium Stadium, it is something different that even uh, players without a lot of experience will lift in that red jersey.
7: No doubt about it. Absolutely, uh, people often say to me, "What's the best rugby stadium I've been to around the world?" and and that's right up there. Um, Presumably the room, uh, I don't think I've ever seen it with the roof open Uh, Maybe I have, I'm not sure But generally speaking the roof is closed And so it just makes the noise even greater And of course uh, the build-up, and you've been there, Smitty The build-up with uh, the crowd hollowing Delilah and all the rest of it And then of course the Welsh National Anthem um, The reaction to the haka It'll be pure theatre, and that's exactly what it is. It's pure theatre, and if, if and it can't, if it can't um, rev the Welsh up, then I don't know what uh, what can. Uh, and of course, they are the Six Nations champions. We do know they're missing a few key players. But I guess when you look back, so are the All Blacks in many ways, aren't they? Yeah, you know, guys like Aaron Smith and Scott Barrett and Patrick Tuilolo to and others are not there. Um, the Welsh are going to be down on, on you know, maybe half a dozen of their best players, but I reckon this lot will raise themselves.
2: Yeah, um, I, I tend to uh, agree with you on that, and uh, it's of. Uh, I think it's going to be fantastic. Uh, and, and just getting back to Barrett, um, you know, uh, some might say um, you know he's uh, number two behind Dan Carter. Some might say. Um, he might be a little bit further back in the pecking order if you take into account uh, what the role for number 10 was back in the day, Grant Fox is pretty hard to go past and then you've got Mertz as well but what I what I would say about Bowden Barrett is when he was at his absolute peak and, and maybe he can get back there his impact off the bench must have been very scary for opposition coaches to counter
7: Oh absolutely, yeah absolutely and it was all about the pace wasn't it the pace and uh, and the ability and and you think back on Bowden Barrett's career, some of the performances that he turned in. And I saw a game the other night, and I think it was way back about 2013 at Ellis Park in Johannesburg, when he was just phenomenal, running in tries and cutting down Billy Larue in the corner with a magnificent tackle. And you know, really has the ability to do it all. And um, and I think I think he'll be right up there when we when we reflect when he finally retires, when we reflect. I think Dan Carter is the prince of number 10s uh, as far as the All Blacks are concerned. But Barrett will be in the conversation for sure, along with the guys that you mentioned, the Foxes and the Mertens and these sort of fellas, uh, simply because he had, um, you know, he had characteristics that others didn't have, and one of them was pure pace. You know, he had the pace of a winger, and he still has, let's be honest about it. So um, I'm delighted the boat got to 100 tests. You wouldn't meet a better fella, and um, let's hope he plays well.
2: Yep, let's hope he plays well, Nisbo. As always, uh, thanks very much for uh, your contribution. Uh, Look forward to this game at the weekend, and um, uh, let's just hope they they celebrate in style and uh, Bowden Barrett gets that uh, silver cap on the back of a a comfortable win and a a terrific performance. As usual, Nisbo, thanks for your thoughts.
7: Okay, Smitty, cheers.
2: Yeah, cheers. Uh, grunt Nisbo there, folks. Um, uh, And he's called so many magic. Bowden Barrett memories uh, um, uh, in terms of uh, his particular play for the Hurricanes, go back as far as Taranaki and his bow to call those games. Uh, then, of course, uh, in the all-black jersey throughout. Uh, and I, I totally agree with him. When everyone talks about Bowden Barrett in, in the uh, attacking sense, but whilst he wasn't a, you know, a, a crash tackler, uh, his ability to get us out of trouble on defence time after time with just raw speed and uh, the reading of a situation... Was, uh, was brilliant. Uh, one of his great hallmarks for me. Uh, it's 10.14 here on SENZ. Um, uh, I'll read out a couple of texts uh, before we go to a panel, I think. Um, yeah, John, I think we'll do that this morning. Thank you. Before we get to uh, the panel, uh, consisting this morning of uh, Jeff McTainch and uh, Ravinda Hunia, and uh, Brian's just getting them on the line as we speak. Uh, yeah, hi guys. Uh, Bowden Barrett is up there with the best. He also has uh, leadership, which is essential in big games. He was almost held back by being played at fullback and not starting at 10. Without the pressure of goal kicking, I think we will see the Barrett of old. Mwanga is a great player, but Barrett is still the X factor. Cheers from Wazza. Uh, good morning, Smithy. I would uh, definitely rate DC at number one and Bowden Barrett at number two. Uh, But your discussion has reminded me about one of the least mentioned first 5-8s. was sadly taken early at the age of 26. He played uh, nine times for the All Blacks, uh, including two tests. But was total class. Do you have any memories of him? Yes, I do, Steve. Uh, You're referring, of course, to Nicky Allen. Uh, Nicky Allen, Auckland grammar boy, who uh, they regarded at the time was going to be the next best thing uh, in that first 5-8 jersey. He had pace, he had vision. Uh, Yes, you're right, he was sadly taken from us at a very... Very young age, but uh, my memories of him in a, one particular Test match, John, uh, uh, were at Cardiff Arms Park. Nicky Allen, I, I think he scored a try in the corner. Uh, he was a sensational player uh, and
3: uh, it was a real shock to the rugby community. Yeah, just reading about that um, slightly before my time, but yep, beat uh, Wales 23 3 at the old Cardiff Arms Park, four tries to zip. Allen was a bona fide All Blacks hero that day, is the report that I'm reading, and uh, in the same article saying that perhaps he was even a greater talent that was rarer than Dan Carter. So he was that kind of ilk. And quite incredible, Smithy, he died of um, concussion complications uh, in a club match in Australia. Um, he was prone to concussion, uh, got tackled badly. Those injuries took their toll and actually took his life. So quite a remarkable story about Nicky Allen, probably a player we don't talk a lot about, but I know TJ Tony Johnson rates him extremely highly.
2: Yeah, Wollongong, that happened, I remember it, It happened in Wollongong, so uh, yeah, that was very, very sad, Um, it was, but yeah, Nikki Allen, Uh, awe-inspiring is the best way to sum up uh, the Black Ferns, this is a a great text from Peter, in fact, Uh, they have brought a breath of fresh air to the national, international rugby scene, I was privileged to be at a 2018 function at Eden Park, when Black Fern contracts were announced, the ladies there were very humble, while rightfully very proud of their achievements, That humbleness coupled with their fantastic comradeship is reflected on and off the rugby field when delivering outstanding performances, be it sevens or fifteens rugby, at all levels that all New Zealanders can be so proud of. I cannot wait to attend next year's Women's Rugby World Cup. Go the mighty Black Ferns. Fantastic, Peter. Uh, Love your your reflection there. Um, This now uh, at 10.22, John, is one of my favourite times of the day, every morning, because it's time for This.
4: Big talk, big opinions,
2: the panel And this morning as I said before we're joined by Ravinda Hurnia and uh, Jeff McTainch um, I've I got to start with uh, you Jeff if I can please uh, Bowden Barrett is uh, 100th What do you reflect on when you uh, see him about to lead the All Blacks out uh, and On this special occasion for him?
8: I thought about it this morning, mate, and good morning to you and Ravinda and listeners. Um, it seems to me like this guy's been playing for, you know, 20 years, not a guy who um, has only been around for, you know, 10 or so. It's, um, it's remarkable, and, and, you know, he hasn't had it all his own way. He came onto the scene with a boom, and he debuted for Taranaki, I think, at the age of 19, and, and um, there on for the Hurricanes shortly after that. And, and when he made his his test, uh, test debut for, for the All Blacks, um, he was obviously he was used primarily off the bench and we saw the impact he had, um, fashioned his way into that starting number 10 role, back-to-back back player of the year, World Cup winner, instrumental in 2015, scored a try in the final. Um, you know, he... And when you look at what um, he's done for this team, and the way that you know people like Ian Foster talk about him, they say you know Bowden he prepares for the team first, then he prepares for himself. And so when you take that on board, and you look at the accolades that, that um, he has a, he has achieved, uh, it's it's remarkable. Um, I think he deserves it. As I say, he hasn't had it all his own way recently with the uh, the emergence of Richie Mahonga at number 10, had to play second fiddle a bit, play at fullback. Now his brother Geordie's there doing a great job. So I think it's fantastic. He's been picked on form. Um, he really epitomises, I think, what it is to be an all-black. You know, he's, he's such a proud provincial man as well, out of, um, you know, great school down there in New Plymouth, Francis Douglas. So I think he's done a lot for New Zealand rugby. I'm looking forward to seeing him celebrate his 100, and I think it'll be uh, in style too.
2: Ravinda, I- I'll imagine over the years you've, you've looked at... Um at Bowdoin Barrett in that in that all-black jersey. And um, you know, I, I think it's a, sp- a special time. I, he's the 11th uh, the eleventh player to achieve this uh, amazing feat of playing 100 tests for the all black. So, And he comes from a, a really big family. He's got seven siblings. What a proud time for the Barrett family. 100%
0: and kia ora morena uh, to you both as well. Um, yeah, just following on from Jeff, it's hard to, to pack any more into that CV. He's an absolute... Legend of the game, But as you mentioned, Smithy, you know, he comes from this big whānau who, yes, will be celebrating, who will be um, right there, you know, they would have hoped to be there with him, I suppose, um, as he makes this milestone. He'll have, you know, some family there uh, with him. But, um, you know, as well as all the accolades that he um, has achieved over the years, there's so many people that talk about how, just how much of a great guy he is, how much of a, you know, great bloke he is. You know, he's a mentor to many of our younger players. And a lot of, you know, our children, our tamariki look up to people like Bowden Barrett, um, you know, wanting to aspire to be, you know, an all-black just like him when they grow older. He just sets you know, he's just been such an ambassador for the game, such a great role model as well as an amazing player.
2: Well, Ravinda, just um, not that far away, actually, um, in uh, Exeter. uh, It's the 100th game for the Black Ferns. We had uh, Dr. Farah Palmer on this morning. Um uh, she was very reflective about the whole deal being so much part of um, of our rugby, our, our women's rugby history. But I, I, I would imagine there's a, a bit of extra about this one because this uh, this is a real meaningful game, for mine anyway.
0: Most definitely. It, it, it's, a, it's a huge milestone in any sport for any team. And for our black friends to be able to achieve that, it's, you know, not even just achieving it in playing for test, but achieving it in a time where... You know, sports is very questionable with the likes of COVID, um, you know, wreaking havoc um, over the world at the moment. So for them to be able to power forward and be able to get these games and this tour, when usually we have seen in the past that, you know, if there are any sports or teams that don't get these opportunities, that is our women, It's you know, and it affects them in terms of um, their playing and playing. They're looking at a World Cup um, themselves, so it's the best preparation that they have. But they get this time to celebrate, they get this time to reflect, they get this time to think about how far they have come as a team, as as not even just as a team, but as, as women, as wahine, and they get to experience that. Thinking about all the women that have stood uh, before them as well.
2: I think it's a it's a very good reflection as well. And, and Jeff, what? What uh, I look at all the time when I see um, the Black Ferns in action, whether it be the 7s or the 15s, is joy and performance. I, I guess it uh, is, um, goes hand in hand with being so successful, and they are. Um, but uh, aside from that, just the joy of competing, uh, the fellowship they've got in their group, which uh, sets them apart from, I, I think, most other rugby sides that we watch.
8: Absolutely, mate. You know, the fact is they haven't played a test match for two and a half years, so you put any other team uh, in that conversation and... um you know, it's 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 almost unthinkable. And, and as you say, um, they will turn up and play England in this hundredth test, uh, great occasion with a smile on their face. That's how they play the game, and they're a fantastic advertisement, as Ravinda alluded to, for for young Tamariki around Aotearoa. Look, It's um, it's a great occasion. It's been a long wait for these for these women, and um, you know, to have a repeat of the 2017 uh, World Cup final. Uh, against England, um, as I say, amidst the global pandemic. I know they've got the World Cup next year. Um, they'll just be itching to play some footy, and I know Kendra Coxie just came to get out there and and again, as Ravinda sort of alluded to as well, do it for the, the Wahini that have paved the way. So um, it's, a, it's a massive occasion. It's, um, it's, you know, 1991 was the first Test match for the Black Ferns. Uh, the women's game has come a long way since then, um, but as I say at the, at the start, uh, you know to not have played a Test match for two and a half years, unthinkable, but they'll do it with a smile on their face.
2: Uh, please stay with us, Jeff McTainch and uh, Ravinda Hunia, who are our panellists this morning. Plenty more to talk about uh, after the news. Uh, here's Trudy.
4: Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, Jeff McTainch and uh, Ravinda Hunia are our panellists this morning. And uh, Ravinda, UFC action, of course. Dan Hooker back in action. This time against a fairly formidable uh, chap in Islam, Makachev. Uh, and this is just, um, what, 34 days after his last uh, uh, his last bout, Uh, of course when he had to make that rush to get to Las Vegas anyway
0: that's right, we were just talking about it a few weeks ago weren't we? But you know that's Mm -hmm. the kind of fighter that Dan Hooker is right? He was um, put on a flight over to Las Vegas in the end, made it won that fight against Nazareth in spectacular fashion, won that fight and then was called uh, a couple days after I believe, asked if he wanted to fly again to fight Island to face Uglan Mukachev. Now Dan Hooker is ranked um, 5th uh, sorry, in the division, Islam is, is fifth, so it's a big fight for Dan Hooker that will of course push him forward uh, for title contention should he be successful, which we hope he will be um, but in, in a roundabout thing as well, he forfeits his, his flight home, he was all set to come home, he had his voucher ready after the Nazareth fight in Las Vegas so taking the Islam fight meant that he doesn't know when he will return I spoke to him um, two nights ago when he landed in Abu Dhabi and he told me that the UFC has done him a solid and will be flying his family out to him um, after this fight. So, you know, if he is stuck over there um, during the Christmas period, he won't be alone. So, you know, there is a little bit of a light there at the end of the tunnel. But, um, but yeah, there's still, there's, as well as trying to prepare for a fight for four weeks, he still has those uh, travelling ones. So, of course, we wish him the best.
2: Yeah, we do, uh, Ravinda, but it sounds like um, on uh, form um, and on ratings, etc., Ah, uh, that m- Mukachev is a fairly, fairly warm favourite in this fight. How do you see it?
0: One hundred percent, he is the favourite, and um, in a Dan Hooker, you know, fashion, that's why he wants to fight him. He, you know, always prides himself on fighting the best fighters in the division. Brad Riddell actually <laughs> wanted this fight. Of course, they both fight out of city kickboxing. They fight in the same division, and Brad has spoken about wanting to fight Islam for the very same reason. He's tough. He's explosive. He's durable um, And he's, you know, slowly but surely Been making his way up the ranks As a competitor for the title as well So if you're fighting the best And you're on the big platforms And you beat the best Then it's all the better for you And your projection in the rankings as well But yes, Islam is ranked as a favourite at the moment But, you know, Dan Hooker Never shows away from the big challenge
2: No, he certainly doesn't That's one of his great uh, characteristics Uh, Jeff, um, uh, whilst we get a little bit sick of talking about it. We can't avoid it, uh, the influence on, uh, on COVID and sport at the moment. And now, of course, one of the big hot topics is uh, whether um, inoculations or vaccinations should become uh, compulsory. The AFL have said yes, the NRL have said no. And on the back of that, a story I read this morning was uh, that most teams at some point are going to have players who cannot play because of their stance. And the Warriors will be no exception uh, when it comes to crossing borders. Um, so, what what is your take on whether it should be compulsory? Whether, uh, if you look at sports across the, uh, you know, across the spectrum, mm. uh, AFL, rugby, rugby league, what, what's your take on it?
8: Peter Verlandis has dropped the ball massively. Uh, you know, he's obviously head of New South Wales racing as well. He's decided that uh, that, that 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 doesn't need to have um, mandatory vaccination. Victoria is as well on the racing front, but in terms of the NRL, I mean. This has just opened up a whole can of worms. Uh, Nelson Isufa of Soleimani, Melbourne Storm, don't know what to do with him now. He doesn't want to get the jab. Uh, Victoria, you know, Victoria government have their own rules. Queensland government looks like they're going to say, look, if, if someone comes in here with, uh, and tests positive for COVID-19, people or close contacts around have to vaccinate for 14 days. They're looking at that. Massive can of worms, um, all sorts of legal issues. Uh, I think Valandi should have said from the outset, you got to get the jab. The AFL have done it, as you say, and uh, I think five of their clubs, five or six of their clubs, 100% vaccination. So uh, as we head into uh, a new NRL season, um, it's just, I think, a minefield of problems, litigation. You look at the Warriors, you know, they're going to have players that um, the NRL will deem can travel to some parts of Australia and can't go to others. So you've got, you know, let's just say, for example, you've got someone on the books for half a million dollars and they don't want to get vaccinated, um, You know, then they're going to have to look at, OK, well, we, they can play some games at Mount Smart, they can play some games in Sydney, but they can't play in Victoria. Mate, just an absolute minefield, and I think Peter Volandes has dropped the ball.
2: OK, uh, Ravinder, uh, that leads me to um, something I hadn't actually thought of, though, because there's not much more closer contact that you can get, get in uh, sport than UFC. Uh, would you know if uh, uh, Dana White has had uh, any sort of um, announcement? Uh, has he established any sort of a policy revaccination in that sport? Because uh, in that sport, a lot of people come from a lot of different cultures and beliefs, uh, and I just wonder if there is, is there any uniformity in UFC in terms of vaccination.
0: <laughs> Not that I know of, and uh, I actually had the pleasure to talk to um, UFC uh, CEO Dana White uh, before Dan's last fight, and he is. <laughs> not for um, mandating anything to do with COVID, and he is about freedoms. I don't want to talk about what his um, political preferences (laughs) are, but um, he's not for the lockdowns. He's not for for that. He's obviously down for the safety and the masking and the bubbles and all that sort of thing. So in my heart of hearts, I don't think that he would make a stance on that. In terms of international fighters, though, I think he gets away with it in a sense because you know, our fighters can't leave the country or do certain things without getting the injections because of our own, you know, policies and mandates. And that would be for athletes around the world too. So he could actually, you know, benefit off of other government policies having already done that for him. But in terms of um, what happens in America, it's a lot like what Jeff was saying with Australia. Each state has its own rules. And um, USC just travel to the states that, that cater to their purpose and their beliefs.
2: So, Ravinder, if you're um, going back to your, uh, your playing days, etc., if you're part of a team uh, which had the option, would you? How would you look at it um, uh, in terms of uh, the compulsory side of it? Would you be happy playing with uh, and against non-vaccinated people?
0: I would. I would have a sense of worry. There's no doubt about that, because for me, it's bigger than sport. It's about society. It's about our communities. It's about our families, our friends. Um, everyone that we hold dear to us is affected by this and we're slowly getting to a place now where you know dare i say it like cancer where people are starting to feel that effect in their own you know circle of trust um, and it's going to get to that point i feel with covid the longer that things are drawn out like you know not mandating things um, so yeah it would it would definitely worry me and if i was given um you know the option to say hey um or, well, not even the option to say mandate, I wouldn't be dragging my feet on it because it's just so much bigger than my team and my sport. It, it's, it's everyone, everywhere. So, if okay, I can just changing. jump in really
8: quickly mate, I think, um, I think the, the precedent yeah. at, at the start is is key. Like, if, if you're going to see the president and say some can be vaccinated, some can't, well, you know, like for sustainability reasons, you're going to run into issues. As I say, if you're going to have to, yes. if you look at the NBA, for example, Kyrie Irving, $220 million, you have to pay him still, he doesn't want to play. Um I know that that's a different kettle of fish to, to what we deal with here domestically in sport, but you could run into the same problems and um could be a real issue financially for the game and, and as as I say, the sustainability.
2: Jeff, just a quick prediction for the black caps then, uh, before we go. Um what are you what are you thinking uh, in terms of this match against India? It's so so damn important all of a sudden.
8: Yeah, they wouldn't have been happy, mate, with uh with that first uh, first up effort with the bat. I think um we'll see um We'll see a better performance against India. They've played some crunch matches over the last few years uh, against the Indians, so they know what to expect. And uh, I, I think you'll see um, the, the leaders in that Black Caps side step up. Um, did an okay job with the ball. Um, just have to be a little bit more accurate. But yes, okay. And, and I think um, yeah, just given how important this game is, that um, the Black Caps should get it done.
2: Okay, that's uh, great, uh, Jeff McTainsh, Ravinda Hunea. Thank you very much for your, your time this morning. I uh, Love those thoughts. Um, on Dan Hooker, uh, Ravinda as well thank you so much for uh, your insight there You're a lot more clued up than I am about it but I shall be watching Dan Hooker because uh, he just seems to be one of those great guys fighting pretty damn hard and often against the odds 10.40 here on SENZ uh, some more texts from you and then of course uh, a visit to uh, Louis Herman Watt and the TAB as usual before 11 o'clock
3: from behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. I
2: in this morning and said, uh, I don't think Bowden would be in my top five first fives, but he would be our best ever utility player by light years. My memories are of uh, individual brilliance and touches, which have all been covered, and his speed taking a gap is incomparable, but memories of driving us around the park and controlling a tight test are few. I can't quite forgive him for leaving the Canes and going to the Blues, but I'm number two in my house too, so I understand. His highlights real will be watched for years, Pete. You're absolutely so right about that. Uh, morning, Smithy, Two texts from me today. First, uh, rugby. Uh, my top five first fives are Carter, Barrett, Moonga, Mertens and Fox. Carter was the complete player and his prime was faster than people thought. Very skillful, and his kicking was exceptional. Barrett is almost there. Uh, certainly faster, just his goal-kicking lets him down. So that's uh, from Craig uh, from Bay of Plenty, who also comes in with a cricketing one as well. Uh, my team to play India would be Guptil, Conway, Williamson, Phillips, Mitchell, Nisham, Santna Sodi, Saudi, Milne, Bolt. Gotcha. I think I've got you there, Craig. I think you're dead right. Conway has to open, agree, and take the gloves, agree, which means Phillips remains a bowling option. And Seifert misses out for Milne. Uh, I think you've read that absolutely perfectly. Uh, So, uh, yes, John, um, I'm so looking forward to this weekend because (coughs) we've got uh, pretty much every spectrum covered in terms of our our major sports.
3: Yeah, and at the start start of the week, Smithy, you were saying All Blacks by 50. You were pretty confident at that point in time it was going to be a mismatch, but I'm like this myself. As the week goes on, you think about it more, you see both the teams come out, What are you thinking now that you've seen the Welsh team, you've seen the All Blacks team, what kind of margin are you thinking now?
2: Well, here's another thing that comes into play, Um, and and I'll read out a text from Carl, which I think is quite relevant, which might reduce the deficit somewhat. Hi, Smithy, well done, Bodie, but for me, the man leading out the Welsh this weekend is the one we should be talking about. Alan Wynne-Jones will play his 149th game for Wales, Passing Richie's 148 for the All Blacks. Add in his 12 games for the Lions. This guy is a true warrior and leader who will play 80 minutes nearly every time he comes across as a top bloke as well. I would hate to think how many games of rugby he has played in his career. You would have had the pleasure of interviewing him a few times and would like to know your thoughts about this man. So this weekend it will be his milestone that I think we should be celebrating. Well, Carl, that's interesting. Um, yeah, uh, look, he is. He's a colossus, an absolute colossus uh, in the game in Wales. There's no doubt about it. Uh, key to the city, um, key to the country, really. And, and uh, on the back of what you've hinted at there, uh, I quite believe that the margin won't be 50. And I've failed to sort of take that into account. I think uh, I was sort of getting on the bandwagon of all these players not being available from English clubs, etc., cetera, and thinking, oh, my God, this could be another blowout. Uh, because the All Blacks will be playing well too. I I just, I now think probably 25, there you go, I'll cut that in half, Uh, because of the Alan Wynne-Jones factor, John, Uh, and uh, he'll run out, he will get the most amazing, the most amazing reception in Cardiff, Uh, and they will sing for him, and they will play for him, so whilst they, I don't think they'll go close, I still believe it uh, will be a handsome margin.
3: Yeah, mate, uh, agree. Man, he is impressive. You would have interviewed him. Uh, he's such a nice guy, isn't he, um, with a massive motor that goes forever. Very impressive. But I just think in the backs especially, we've got them. I know Nisbo mentioned Donoth- Jonathan Davis, who's probably the best centre in the world going around. He's very good. But outside of that, they've got a lot of guys coming back from injury, uh, including Gareth Anscombe. Johnny McNichol never started a test at fullback. So I just think they're just lacking a bit of finishing power. I don't think they'll be able to score enough points. And I'm with you, Smithy. 25 sounds good to me, but a night out in Cardiff, a sold-out crowd watching the All Blacks. Like, does it get better in sport than that, Smithy?
2: Well, there'll be a lot of New Zealanders there because those that are stuck in the UK will be there in droves. I would imagine those that have not been able to get home can at least get a little flavour of New Zealand by going to this. So there will be big factions there, but of course... Those that would normally go in support of a northern tour, um, and uh, I'm not even sure about the the position of the, of the Barrett family because uh, I'm not sure many parents are more faithful to their kids in terms of travelling around the world to that, uh, to watch them uh, than the Barrett parents who have uh, are always there. They're just always there. But the inability and the uncertainty about getting home would reduce those numbers on tour. So New Zealanders will have a good um, a good faction of the crowd. I would imagine we'll see pockets of them, uh, but in all honesty. It'll be all about the red, all about Wales. Uh, I'm I'm jealous because it is some stadium, some stadium, some atmosphere. Uh, Look, uh, we'll just take a break. When we come back, Louis Herman Watt, um, I'll ask him about a horse called Bowden. actually, what chance it's got of winning the New Zealand Cup, uh, and then a visit to the TAB.
4: Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. (laughs)
2: Just a quick one for you, Louis Herman Watt. We've had a text in from Nev. Uh, a great year for Bodie, 100 tests, well-deserved, and his horse will win the New Zealand Cup at Rickerton. What's your thoughts on that?
1: Wow. Uh, is it bodes well
2: for Johnny Wheeler? It must be, yeah. It must be. It
1: must be. Yeah. Boden wouldn't be in the race, would
2: it? No,
1: no, 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 it's Johnny. it's our favourite in the futures, and um, actually, Smithy, I'm I'm upstairs currently, I'm not on the mic, because we've just come out of a high-powered meeting about our Cup Week coverage, actually, and I understand that you're going to be down there um, throwing your powerful racing chat at Addington and Ricketon, so that's going to be fun, mate, and um, it's a huge week. The Guineas markets are there. We're only one week out from the 2,000 Guineas, so many questions there, and of course, that New Zealand Cup, the Gallops, the NZTR uh, New Zealand Cup. That is on the Saturday with 1,000 guineas. Bodes well to get up. And I reckon you're going to see an excellent version of the guineas, the 1,000 guineas this year. You've got trees, you've got Ars Triomphe, you've got uh, Pikes, um, Pikes Philly as well. There's a bunch of mm. chances. Anyway, so I know you've got to kick on and get to the TAB, so I'll be quick. I'll make it short and sharp. I reckon Tavi Mac tomorrow, it's short enough at $2.30. And I don't know what Lisa Ladd is doing with her nod of the head that nice um, three year old I've got. But I just think that's overs. What Kavi Mac can do is a state perform, group perform, proper it's closer to a star than an open handicap horse. So if you had a if you had a little diagram, it's definitely down the star end rather than the open handicap end. And I think Kavi Mac after that Foxbridge blip put that behind them, mm. dropped them at Rotorua last start. It was too good for Master Pony after a shocking Ryan Elliott ride. And I think he gets the chocolates
2: again tomorrow at thirty. Good on you, Louis. Have a great weekend, Uh, Derby Day tomorrow, Uh, which uh, is a good note to take us over to the TAB with Brendan Popwell. Of course, uh, he will be on deck tomorrow and no doubt keeping a really close eye on that magical meeting uh, at Flemington, the beginning of the Carnival. Uh, BP, uh, great day of racing ahead. Isn't it? It's amazing,
9: actually. And and, and now that New South Wales has jumped on board with the Golden Eagle, I mean, that, that race meeting is... It's almost rivaling it, isn't it? I mean, but, uh, yeah, great viewing across the Tasman, Derby Day, Melbourne Cup Week, uh, a huge week. Uh, and also around tomorrow, too, we've got the bonus back blitz. 16 races available, so you can bet on the first four races at uh, the two domestic meetings and those two Aussie meetings, bet up to $30 and get some bonus bets back if you're on the second, third or fourth. And just quickly on a couple of games today, the Packers versus mm. the Cardinals in the NFL. Cardinals are looking to keep the unbeaten run going. They're but we We've seen money the total points unders, 51, $1.87 with Packers having some key players out. And in the MPC tonight, Smithy, we do see Tasman at a $1.50. Mm-hmm. Strong support for them to beat Canterbury. And, of course, in that Central Vikings clash coming up a little bit later on, Hawke's Bay versus Manawatu throughout the weekend. All the money, no surprise here, Smithy, is for Hawke's Bay.
2: Good on ya, Pops. Good on ya, mate. We'll keep that record going. Don't you worry about that over the weekend. and I yeah. uh, look forward to your work over the weekend. Uh, I'll be watching Crackside in, in earnest, as usual. Uh, coming up uh, to the news at 11. After that, we're going to talk to Matt Williams. Haven't touched on surf life saving on this show so far, but summer's approaching, and uh, those people that you only need or notice
3: when you really do need them... Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 7.03
2: here on SENZ uh, and I preempted Surf Life Saving and uh, that'll be coming to us uh, just after 11.30 this morning when uh, we'll be talking to Matt Williams, uh, Surf Life Saving uh, Northern Region CEO. Hopefully we'll be able to get him on the line around about that time. Uh, a couple of uh, more texts have come in as well. The Black Ferns, uh, this is from Jordan. The Black Ferns play for the love of the game and it shows. Fake mercenary teams are like shadows. They're okay in the sun but fall apart when the going gets tough on a test. They are not paid astronomical dollars and most have other jobs. They don't care for fame or glamour. This is the X factor they have over uh, more well-paid teams. Uh, and uh, I, I imagine that's true the case. The, the team they're playing at the Weekend England are fully professional. They'll be making quite a lot of money um, out of playing the game. So, yeah, interesting. Uh, That that respect, I I totally uh, buy into that one as well. Um, I would be thinking, here's another one. Bowden Barrett is not even close to Daniel Carter, but in saying that the moment he was given the starting 10 jersey, the guy won back-to-back IRB World Cup uh, Rugby Player of the Year. Yeah, let's not forget that, hey. Uh, None of our other number 10s outside of DC have ever been in contention or consideration for that honour. I feel he was uh, done dirty when he was moved to fullback to fit Mwanga for dual playmakers, and it didn't really work well uh, for that, even though he's a better fullback than most. I've got him as my number two, first 5'8. So, some uh, interesting thoughts there. Uh, what would he rate for you, John Day? Uh, Bowden Barrett uh, firmly in number two? Does he get that close, or have you got other considerations?
3: Yeah, um, oh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because he's, if you compare Bowden Barrett to Grant Fox, could you get two different first fives, Smithy? Like, one was just metronomical goal kicker, could get your team around the park every day of the week, Uh, the other one could break the line at any moment, you never know what he's going to do, the bounce of the ball always went his way because he was there at the right place at the right time to do that, and defensively, good. So, For me, it's hard to kind of compare those two uh, because growing up, Grant Fox did exactly what you need in a first five. He was a a perfect 10 in that respect, and then the game changed, and then we got Dan Carter, who was the modern perfect 10, and then you get Bowden Barrett, who's just so good off the bench. I'm with you. Definitely the best impact player we've ever had, and it is a 23-man game, and you need those guys. They win your test matches. So uh, impact player number one in my first five picking order, Probably behind Grant Fox. Uh, probably number three for me. Uh, what, yeah. Um, is that fair enough, Smithy, or am I being maybe a bit too harsh there on Bowdoin? No,
2: no. Uh, I think it's a fair reflection. I, I think people going back, um, might, you know, I mean, Andrew Mertens has hardly been mentioned, but um, in terms of um, a brilliant all-round footballer, and he um, he was the next step up from Grant Fox, wasn't he? He was uh, a mo- a mobile. He was. He used to run a lot. Um, Mertz. Uh, like, I... I'm I'm kind of with Bowden Barrett at number two at the moment. Uh, Richie Moong is sitting a little bit further back, yet still relatively new at the game. Uh, but you need, let's not forget when you are assessed twice, twice by your peers and judges around the world as the best rugby player in the world. Um, goodness me, uh, how, how can you not have him in your top your top bracket in this country alone? So yeah,
3: Especially- there'll be some Bowden Barretts. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, especially in that 2016 season I think it was always like we'd been waiting for Bowdoin Barrett, he'd been waiting for like four years, first four years of his international life, he was on the bench uh, waiting for Dan Carter to retire Carter retired and that 2016 season was just Unbelievable from Barrett. Was that the, yeah, I, I think we won almost every test and he was right at the front of that and thoroughly deserving of that award. I think the 2017 one, a bit of conjecture about that World Rugby Player of the Year award given given to him. I think Johnny Sexton was right up there that year. So, But 2016, in terms of an individual year from an All Black is bloody hard to beat. It's probably behind that 05 series for Carter, but he made that kind of impact in 2016 to wait for so long, then get your opportunity and dominate it the way he did. And just an electric player to watch. And just every bounce of the ball, Smithy, it, it, there was a time there, wasn't there? For For years, every single bounce of the ball Bounced into his hands. I think they called him the the golden one after, like, not because of Jeff Wilson, but just because everything he touched turned to gold. Uh, And I seem to remember a try, I think, on his home patch in New Plymouth. He scored against France in his very early days where he came off the bench. Within a minute, the ball bounced up and he scored through his electric pace. So just knows where to be, knows how to be there. Um, Just an amazing player. One of the best. Um, And maligned a little bit recently. Um, probably through no folders of, of his own, I agree with that text, being moved to fullback was a bad idea, but now in the 10, and it's all on, isn't it, between Moonga and Barrett, that debate will never go away.
2: I think you know. I think people go a bit cold on some of our All Blacks when they go overseas, particularly if they take little sabbaticals and, and we miss out on seeing them in our jersey, and then they come back and they have to make that ground up again, and we've seen that across the board, haven't we? We've seen that with uh, Brody Retallick, we've seen that with TJ Perinara. Uh, we've seen that with Bowden Barrett, they just they've just dropped off the pace a wee bit, and some people tend to I think in this country um, uh, they show uh, it's okay for the ones that go away and that's the end of their career and, and they they make their living and, and their their bonuses at the end of their career overseas, but when they go and come back, we have a slightly different attitude to those players. I think uh, we judge them in a, a slightly different way, perhaps a, a little bit too harshly, but uh, no, I, he falls into that category. There won't be any. Um, Bowden Barrett, skill-wise, I don't think on display in the uh, MPC this weekend, but you never know, we might find one in the games ahead. John, and, uh, how's the tipping competition going?
3: Yeah, god, I was like the kid who got the cream last week, Smithy, I was watching Southland play Wellington and Porirua, and I think they were up by 10 or 12 with 10 minutes to go, and I thought, yes, here I go, I'm going to even up the competition here, you beauty, antlers up, let's go the stags, then Marty McKenzie went for an intercept. And he dropped the intercept, Smithy, and he went to the bin. Instead, for seven points, he went to the bin instead. And of course, with 30 seconds to go, Wellington needing a try. They scored, and they converted it, and they won. So Southland still winless, and that means instead of me evening up the competition, Smithy, it means you are two ahead now with two rounds mm. to go, and semi-finals and the finals. So Ian Smith on 27 out of 40, John Day 25 out of 40, heading into week nine of the competition tonight. Canterbury, Tasman, Smithy, we both believed in the Red and Blacks last week against Otago. They came unstuck. So who are you going with tonight? I'm going to go. I'm going to give you a chance because I know you'll
2: go, Tasman. I just yep. know you'll go, Tasman. So I'm going Canterbury. I, you know, I was impressed with, um, uh, with Mark Brown when we spoke to him yesterday. Um, and uh, there's too much depth, too much talent down there for them not to get it right at some stage. And with this uh, inter-Crusader fixture... I kind of figure the mate against mate might bring it out on them. So I'm going to go for Canterbury.
3: Yeah, feels like Canterbury are the little brothers now. For so many years, it was Tasman who were the little brothers. But I get the feeling like that they'll have that siege mentality. Tasman of the guys with all the stars coming to town um, and Tasman are feeling the same way for me, Smithy. It hasn't been all smooth sailing for them so that's why I think the Marco will front up tonight. I just think they want to ramp it up now heading towards the uh, semi-finals. They'll still be stinging after Hawks Bay thumped them for the Shield so all eyes will be on the big prize. So I'm going Tasman tonight. So one different there. Uh, tomorrow, the classic encounter of the NPC, Southland against Northland in Invercargill 5 past 2. Always a classic this one, Smithy. Yeah, I'll go home. I'll go
2: to Stags on this basis. Um, JD, that I think um, uh, the venue, uh, the home advantage, two great uh, provincial sides over the years, uh, providing so many great players, various uh, parts of the rest of the country and teams above them. But I, I just, I just kind of think the Stags at home. There you go.
3: Yeah, and different styles of play. It's just remarkable, one end to the other. I guess the conditions dictate which way your team plays. Uh, Southland so close last week I think they will get it done this week against the Taniwha. so 4.35 to the next afternoon game, Bay of Plenty steamers against Waikato, a couple of teams hard to get a read on this year, Smithy they've been a bit up and down these two teams Yeah Waikato, I'll be interested to see who's fit and who's not fit for them
2: because of course they lost uh, Fletcher Smith uh, going into that shield match last week, he came on in the last 10 minutes on one leg properly um, and, and wasn't able to do it. Two sides also who have challenged for the Ranfurly Shield and disappointingly missed out um, by pretty much the same margin too. So I, I, kind of, I kind of like Bay of Plenty here on the back of a little bit of a Shield loss hangover for Waikato. So I shall take the Steamers. Thank you.
3: Yeah, always tough to back up. I'm with you, Smithy. I think Bay of Plenty are a good side. Better than what they've put out there this year. So yeah, I'm a Steamers guy for that one. Saturday night I, I love this one too. The Vikings match-up, Manawatu against Hawke's Bay in Palmerston North, just just Hawke's Bay, like how can you not tip against, uh, how can you not tip for them, they've been so good They've made a few changes uh,
2: no Flanders of course uh, this weekend, so uh, Gareth Evans gets a start, uh, Bryn Evans goes onto the bench for them this weekend um, they're not playing Visonier at the back, they're not playing Jonah Lowe um, so okay. they've got changes across the park, Ollie Sapsford comes in they're still starting with uh, Inardi and McClutchie in the 9 and 10 role so and they're starting with their core locks as well with Parsons and Cridge. Um, I, I, I still think they probably will have too much they've got a very good bench if they need it Hawks Bay but uh, this is a, a an old game that goes back a long way and is often a lot closer than you might expect um, I, I'll take the bay but just.
3: Yeah, yeah fair enough too so, Vesernia's um, been impressing me this year. Smithy, I was surprised he wasn't in a New Zealand Super Rugby franchise and that Moana Pasifika uh, picked him up. He's bloody impressive at fullback, isn't he? He's got a little bit of class about him, bit of X-Factor. He always runs the ball. He's a very exciting guy to watch.
2: Big man. Very, very big man. Uh, compliments that back three very well. And you've got to be very careful where you kick uh, when Vicini is under the ball and you've got to be very careful with your chase. So, look, um, yeah, interesting. So
3: I'll go. Uh, I'll go uh, Hawks Bay there, and, and you yep. agree? Magpies. Yeah, I'm Magpies as well. Then we've got a Sunday game, which is a non-competition game. Is it? I think maybe. No, could be um, five past one, which is a strange time for Sunday in Dunedin, Otago against Wellington. Um, yeah, which way are you going to go here?
2: I shall go Otago and open up the door for you. There you go. I'll, I'll go Otago and open up the door for you to take the Wellington Lions if you want to.
3: All right, OK. Yeah, It is. these non-competition games are, are a bit weird. Does that mean that they've had two non-competition games, Wellington, in a row? Because Southland was a non-competition game last week? Bizarre. Mm. Anyway, hard to it's... keep up with NPC. Um, yeah, OK. Should I step in the door and take Wellington? But then Otago will win. Um, oh, on the spot, yeah, yeah why not? Wellington <laughs> for me. And then a rescheduled game. Bay of Plenty, Northland obviously didn't take place last Sunday because of the tonguey of Sean Wainui. So we've got a Wednesday night game. Smithy at Rotorua between the Steamers, who will have a four-day gap after their last game taking on Northland, who will also have a four-day gap after their trip from Invercargill. Northland will have to go to Rotorua. So Wednesday night, what do you reckon?
2: Yeah, it's not far from where they're based to go to Rotorua, to be fair. So I'll still take
3: Bayer Plenty, of thanks, on that Wednesday night game. And I, I like the concept of a Wednesday night game. I really do. Yeah, same. Used to do it all the time. In fact, it was almost a game every day in the NPC, the way it used to go. So I'm with you. So two different picks this week. You're going to go Canterbury tonight, and I'm going to go Wellington against Otago on Sunday. So if I get those both right, I'll be right back in the hunt for that Christmas ham that you're going to buy for me. But at the moment, Smithy, it's very much looking like Christmas hams on me, Smithy.
2: Yep, looking forward to it. And uh, uh, this particular year, I'm even hungry at, so it'll be a very big one. Uh, we've got a few more texts to read out uh, very shortly. We'll take a break uh, here on SENZ. They'll come back. We've got uh, a stump smithy, the last chance for the week. And then, of course, we've got those temper uh, prizes to hand out as well in the last half hour. So, plenty more to come here on the mornings as we lo- uh, move towards Staffy at midday.
3: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. We've got uh, Michael
2: Guerin coming up uh, in the next half hour as well to uh, preview harness racing action over the weekend and to talk about the content of the shows he's got here on SENZ as well. Uh, And don't forget also, uh, around about 10 to 12, we will be giving away that $10,000 package from Temper. Someone is going to get a phone call shortly, uh, on the evidence of some of the great texts that we've uh, get, got in during the week. And also uh, we'll be giving away a temper pillow, make an announcement on that as well. Trudy will have the honours to do that as usual. Uh, and the, the texts have still come in. Some of them are very short and sharp. Um, Hugh says, I think Bay of Plenty team have got issues, John. So I've gone for Bay of Plenty, but maybe they've got issues. I've gone for them in both games. I hope they're not too deep. Um, another one coming in saying, Bowden Barrett passes best, still better than Moanga at his best. Uh, so there you go. Uh, that's where A. Bowden Barrett at his, be- past his best, still better. So that's uh, from, I uh, may be a Taranaki one. Certainly Stratty's coming from the Naki. Grant Fox, you were joking, eh? Never scored a try, never made a tackle. Okay. Uh, so that's uh, trying to poo poo your theory, John. Fair um, enough. Fair enough. That's, yeah. the problem,
3: yeah, that, no, no. that's the problem that you get with um, comparing, um, you know, errors, isn't it? What was Grant Fox's job for the All Blacks? It was to kick goals and kick us around the park. It wasn't to make tackles and score tries, and I think he did it brilliantly well. Won a World Cup for us starting at 10. Yeah. Has Bowden Barrett won Absolutely. a World Cup for us starting at 10? Uh-huh.
2: Well, no. So, okay, I'll get your, I'll get your drift there. i get you've got a bit of feeling about it. Um, how about Nick Evans? Nick Evans, um, you can't really put him in that bracket. Uh, potentially, Nick Evans could have been anything. Um, but uh, he made the, the, the decision to move on, and for that reason... You can't really put him in the frame i don't think anyway uh how about uh, this one all blacks best first fives are barrett uh, sorry carter one barrett two then the rest don't make the list as none of them could tackle and or are scared of defensive uh, defensive plays therefore they're only half a player so uh, all of a sudden we're getting into a little bit of passion about that uh, jared comes in and says uh, hi smithian team what a week i've come from blenheim but now I live in christchurch Two cases of COVID and no lockdown, thank God. I love sport for all its positive energy. Just wish our government would unlock our our country and get on with life. Go Tasman tonight against the the Cantabs. Fins up, Jared from Christchurch. So, yeah, uh, the the debate rages, and it's been a good one throughout the morning. Uh, What cannot be ignored is the fact that uh, Bowden Barrett, of course, uh, hopefully, uh, sometimes they don't lead them out. Sometimes the preference is not to lead them out, but uh, he'll certainly get the uh, presentation of that magnificent silver cap um, to become the 11th player to play 100 Test matches.
3: I think the best thing about match. this, Smithy, is that we are having this debate again. Like, I, like, what did you think about Bowden playing 15? I, did you ever like it, the dual playmaker? Do you, and now that he's like, he actually, when he went to Japan, basically he had to say, I'm a 10. Please pick me as a ten. Like he had to send that message to the selectors of I don't want to play fullback anymore. And so now we're having this debate and it's a genuine one because we're both seeing them play first five. Did you like Bowden as a fullback or are you glad he's a ten again?
2: Oh no, I, I like him in both roles actually. I think he's that damn good. He can he can be um, very capable and, and brilliant in both roles. I like Bowden Barrett with space. I like Bowden Barrett with time. And for that reason, every now and then I like his counter-attacking abilities, uh, and I like his as uh, his, I like his defensive qualities actually uh, in that respect, and his ability to read situations on attack and defence. So I didn't mind him in the fifteen role whatsoever. The dual playmaker role sort of got confusing for everyone, didn't it? Um, so I, I really, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be as long as he's on the team for me. As long as he's involved uh, to make an impact at some point, um, that is. That is important for me. Just changing the subject, John, um, hopefully it's the end of the subject too because, uh, of course, you may have read that uh, Quentin de Kock has apologised overnight uh, for after refusing to take a knee and says he is not a racist. Uh, well, we did uh, find out also that he, um, his stepmother um, is a, a black African. Uh, he's got um, uh, African, African sisters, uh, I think stepsisters as well. So he does have um, race in his... A mixed race in his uh, upbringing so therefore um, you know, he's not a racist so anyone that thought that he wasn't taking the knee for that reason was completely and utterly misguided uh, of course he didn't play against the West Indies, I'd like to start by saying sorry to my teammates and the fans back home and if me taking a knee helps to educate others and makes lives of others better, I'm more than happy to do so, he just had to uh, get it through his head that it was his decision to do it and he should not he should not have been told what to do uh, in that respect. It's a it's a right, it's a human right, to be able to make that decision. It's not, and he didn't like being instructed. And they only got three or four hours of that notice about having to do it. It wasn't as if it was a team policy announced in a meeting two days beforehand or whatever. It was a really late directive, and you can see why it got his back up in that respect. Uh, he didn't mean to disrespect anyone playing against the West Indies, especially the West Indian team themselves. Um, He said, maybe some people don't understand that we had just hit on this with Tuesday morning on the way to the game. Uh, I would love nothing more than to play cricket for my country again. If Timba Bafuma, who uh, who he's called an amazing leader and the team, will have me, I'll be back. So I would imagine
3: uh, he'll be back, John. You'd think so. Um, Yeah, uh, uh, I think, you know, um, that great debate we had between Nicky Styrus and Jim Kayes on the panel... That was pretty classic, wasn't it? Where Jimmy basically came out and said, "Hey, if you're not taking a knee, then you're supporting racism, aren't you?" Whereas Nikki came in from the side of, "Hey, he probably just doesn't like getting told what to do." And turns out Nikki was right; uh, he didn't yep. like getting told what to do. But it sent a terrible message. But I do, and I think cricket of South Africa has also come out and apologised to Quinton DeCock saying, yeah, pro- we should have given you more than two or three hours before the game in the way that we communicated this to you as well. So I think Quinton DeCock said sorry for making this into such a big deal. I'm very sorry. I will do whatever uh, needs to be done. And Cricket South Africa Africa's also apologised, saying, sorry, Quinton, should have given you more time. So massive storm in a teacup. Huge storm in a teacup, Smithy. But it seems like maybe now we can all move on and everyone's happy. And um, I'm sure he'll do what needs to be done and they need him in the team, don't they? David
2: Warner fans uh, will be happy too. Yeah, they do need him. David Warner fans will be happy too because he's found uh, some form at last. It's been a long time coming, but Australia uh, look good now. They really look good in this uh, T20 World Cup, 100% record, uh, with a dominant seven-wicket win over Sri Lanka, uh, chasing uh, 154 on the same surface, um, I'm led to believe, same surface that New Zealand will play India on. And, And so, therefore... Um, that's twice now 150 has not been enough batting first. Uh, And that is uh, uh, one of the things that uh, you have to consider uh, in that respect. India played Pakistan on the same ground, and they found out that 150 wasn't enough. Pakistan chased it down without losing a wicket. So it's a good batting surface, this. I think it's a very good and fair batting surface. So uh, Warner managed um, uh, to rack up 65 from 42 balls, and when he's hot and Finch is hot, Australia do a lot of damage at the top of the order. So look out for David Warner and Marcus Stoinis came in with 16, not out with Steve Smith to finish the job. That is a conclusive win, an absolute conclusive win for Australia over Sri Lanka who are often a danger in these situations. And other sports news, of course, the Houston Astros, as we predicted, hit back yesterday to level their seven-game World Series with a dominant 7-2 home win over the Atlantic Braves. They had uh, some hitting power they couldn't find a Game 1, and some aggressive base runnings. They really went at the Braves yesterday uh, to keep the hosts in control at Minute Maid Park. Minute Maid Park. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was a good performance from them as well. So, um, Look, a text just come in from a bloke called Louie. Uh, Louie, your favourite Hex, Hex, Hawks Bay Hex, expat. I just want to give the Mighty Magpies one more piece of airtime. One more piece of airtime. Shield country. And we might not live ever lose it again. Uh, well, Louis, um, we're very, very sad that we lost you. Um, very sad that the province lost you, quite clearly. Um, and if you ever get a chance to come back, if you ever get a chance to come back, uh, we'd love it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Elliot says, I, I, I didn't know David Warner had any fans. Where well, there you go. Probably hasn't. In his own house, he probably has. Uh, 11.30 here on SCNZ. And, uh, yeah, it's time for the last time this week, To Stump Smithy Get some money Out of the TAB Good luck
7: Ian Smith's had a good match here
10: Stumped by Smithy
7: Ian Smith really is Top class at his job
3: here we go, time to give away 50 bucks from the TAB and some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive if you can answer three correct questions and avoid getting stumped by Ian Smith, one of the greatest wicket keepers New Zealand's ever had. And we go on the line to Barry and we've got where are we going to? Manawatu Country. So many times yep. on ECNZ we go to Turboland. How are you Barry? Oh,
4: I'm well, thank you. Thank yeah you. mate.
3: Buddy, um what's going to happen this weekend up against Hawke's Bay, up against Smithy's Mob who are in unbelievable form. Are you going to knock them over? Yeah. I, I,
4: we get there in the last minute.
3: <laughs> last minute. Did, did you believe that, Smithy? Was there enough authority in that voice for you? Yeah.
2: No, that's that's straight out guesswork, Barry. Come on, mate. Play the game. Play the game.
4: <laughs> hey, 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 Smithy, can, can I just yes? tell a very quick story regarding you? And it's very quick. And, and, and uh-huh. you didn't meet me, you know? It's, it's okay. real quick. Okay, well, I'm I'm 15 years old, working in a sports shop in town, and um, a guy called Tom Boyne brings in a pair of wicket keeping gloves, and he says, "Can you re rubber these for Ian Smith?" And I said, "Oh, okay, yeah, uh, I haven't done it before, but I'll have a go." So anyway, I, I, I did it, and then after work, um, I got him a bike, and I dropped them off at the common Co., and. The lady, and I explained to the lady at the desk, you know, like, who they were for. And she said, oh, um, do you want to take him up to his room, room 22? And I thought, oh, wow, I'm, I'm going to meet Ian Smith. And so I bounced up the stairs to the Common Garden, Palmerston North, knocked on the door. Uh, no no one there. So missed meeting, you, had to drop them off at the reception. and um, And I don't know if you remember that. But I, I did my best on
2: them, but it was the first time i have done it, so. <laughs> Barry, absolutely, I, yeah. I remember that. I, I do. I don't remember, uh, of course, I don't remember meeting you because we didn't, but I remember having that. It was a last-minute job because they were my favourite pair, yeah. and uh, you had to re-rubber them because like, the, the face of them is like table tennis bats, uh, and when they get that, worn down, right. you lose the grip on them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Barry, that's cool. Um, you, you're a oh, good well, chance of winning, oh, mate. Cool. A really good
3: chance. All right, thank you absolutely, love that yarn, how good anyway, uh, let's get on to the matter at hand of winning you 50 bucks then Barry from the TAB and some sleep yeah. drops, at Daytime Revive New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements your categories today are Rugby Union Cricket or Formula One oh, we've got to go Cricket got to go, oh. go Cricket sorry, me alright, <laughs> tempting fate, let's give it a go yep Smithy does know a little bit about the game. But Barry, I believe in you. All that good, you know, you do some good karma after, you know, uh, resurfacing Smithy's yeah. wicket-keeping gloves. Yeah. All right. Does to meet so, them? No. All right. Question number 1. Pakistan won the 1992 Cricket World Cup after beating New Zealand in the semi finals Sorry, Smithy. Who won the who did they beat in the final, Pakistan? Agman. Hey That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, under where it goes. England were favourites for that tournament, weren't they? Smithy going into it?
2: Uh, They were one of the uh, leading ones. They had a pretty good side. and both of them actually opened the batting for them. That was uh, quite unusual. So, yeah, they had a good side, England. uh, But uh, Pakistan, get them in the mood like we're seeing right now. Look out.
3: Look out. Absolutely. Question number two. Well done, Barry. Who bowled the fastest ever recorded delivery of 161.3 kilometres per hour?
10: Brett uh, Lee. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
3: Not correct. No. Not correct. Chance for a stumping smoothie. Oh. Are you going to stump Barry, okay. your mate who did you that favour all those years ago?
2: Well, i got two options. i got two options in my head here. Um, I, I'm, and I don't want any clues from you, but I'm led to believe that Jeff Thompson was clocked up very, very close to 160 and everyone laughed at it. Um, but that was in a fast bowling contest and that was officially clocked. Um, The other guy I'm I'm trying to think of now is is perhaps Shawab Akhtar, uh, who also uh, used to bowl very, very quick and used to be very outgoing about uh, his ability to bowl quick. I'll go for Jeff Thompson.
10: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
3: Brett Lee was number two. And Jeff Thompson was number four. Shoa Bakhtar, Smithy, you had him in your sights, but went for another Aussie. Sean Tate as well, 161.1, but Shoa Bakhtar, 161.3 kilometres against New Zealand in Lahore. Man, that would be scary to face. So you're still alive, Barry? That's the good news? Excellent, excellent, thank you. All right, so one more. One more question. Very close to home, this one. I've got fingers crossed here. All right. Smith is a fairly common name in New Zealand but how many Smiths have played test cricket for New Zealand? <laughs> 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 we know one of them at least. Oh. Wow. I
4: oh. I don't no, I don't remember any of my time I've got oh, oh, that's a cricket I've got to say one
10: one of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
3: There's more than one. Oh. There's more than one. So, Ian Smith, how many other Smiths have played test cricket for New Zealand?
2: I don't know. I honestly don't. I, I, I'm not big on the history of New Zealand cricket. Uh, I'm just trying to think myself, Barry, and I, I can't re- recall yeah. too many either that have um, been around or done Not in our lifetime, Smithy, No, not in my lifetime. Um, so, I, look... As you say, it's a very popular name, John, very common name. Uh, if you don't like it, you can always change it. I'm going to go for five. Five.
10: One of the worst things I have oh. ever seen oh. done on a cricket field. Isn't
3: it amazing? The All Blacks had three Smiths at one time. Ben, Conrad and Aaron, all in one team, all in one back line. But there's only ever been three Smiths to play test cricket for New Zealand in the whole history of the game. Ian Brun, uh, there's Ian Smith and then Brun, Smith, Runty, he played four tests in the 40s, and then Dennis Smith played one test in the 30s. So just three Smiths have ever played test cricket for New Zealand, which means, Barry, you don't have the sleep drops, but you do have 50 bucks from the TAB. So well done to you.
4: Thank, thank you.
2: That, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. it is amazing. Actually, I, I, I only put in five because I've got, got three sons that thought they should be to, have been black caps, but they were good enough to be them. So that's the reason why I put so many in. Uh, Barry, but hey, enjoy Thank the you. fifty bucks with the TAB vouchers, and thanks again for fixing those wicker-keeping gloves for me. Outstanding, and uh, enjoy the weekend of sport. It's going to be a beauty. Stay on the line, Thank Brian you. will get Thank your you, details. You. Yeah, stay on the line, Brian will get your details. 11:40 here on SCNZ. Really busy last 20 minutes here. We're going to talk to Michael Guerin, and Trudy
3: is going to hand out some super prizes. Voice of sport in New Zealand. <laughs> Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: It is 11.45, a lot to get through before uh, midday. Quick chat now with uh, Michael Guerin, of course, uh, who has got Trot's talk uh, at 12 o'clock on Sundays with Greg O'Connor, amongst many other uh, little bits of input into SENZ. Uh, a busy weekend of harness, uh, Michael, Alexandra Park tonight, and Grass and one of my favourite meetings, uh, Kaikoura, on Monday with an extra a few races as well. But I'm led to believe it won't be at Kaikoura, which is a shame because it is there a more picturesque racetrack in the world?
10: No, I very personally think it's a fantastic track. And uh, good morning to your listeners. I'll make this quick today because I know there's a lot to get through. You know, you're right, like Kaikoura, they can't have the cup meeting there on Monday because they can't get a crowd there for COVID restriction reasons. Therefore, they're having it at Addington. There'll be 16 races for this and all for part at the races. It's going to be a lot of fun. So there'll be great racing coming out of there. That's the final lead up to New Zealand Cup, which is the week after. There's going to be huge coverage on SEMZ of the New Zealand Cup carnival. But if you're looking for a bet before then, we head to Alexandra Park tonight. Level three racing. That means essential personnel only, the industry participants. You can't pop along if you're at Alexandra Park, but you can watch. Here's a couple for you, Smithy, and this one's a special for you and me. Race one tonight, 6.18. Race one, number one, i named it after you. Love's the cold one. It's actually called Love's the Cold One. Don't we all, Smitty? And that's a bit of the night tonight at yep. Alexander Park. I'm not just saying it because of the great name. I think it'll trot away. I spoke to trainer Josh Dickey for the SENZ listeners. He thinks it'll win. So do I. Race one, number one, loves the cold one, Smithy. I oh, know you're not going to forget that. And in race six, on'm very keen on number seven, marks back. So race six, number seven. There are our two bets tonight at Alexander Park. They're racing on the grass at Met today, as you said, and then we're heading to Addington for the Kolekura meeting in Smithy. After that, we rock and roll into cup week. Some big changes made in harness racing this week. We haven't got time to discuss them this morning, but Gary Woodham, the boss of Harness Racing New Zealand, will join us on Trot's talk from noon on Sunday here on SENZ.
2: Look forward to that, uh, Michael. What a w- great weekend of racing coming up, and, yeah, Christchurch beckons uh, on the end of that Kaikoura meeting too. So uh, have a great weekend. Uh, have uh, a busy weekend. I know you will uh, always be, uh, for us here on SENZ, a number of shows. So uh, Michael Guerin there, folks uh with uh his tips for tonight at Alexandra park i hope you got them i've written them down i have written them down Eleven forty-eight 48 when we come back special time for a couple of people a couple of our listeners here on scnz
3: on scnz Eleven
2: fifty-three here on nz scnz and really uh, exciting time for me and uh for our listeners as well because we're giving away uh, two, uh really cool prizes first of all uh we've been uh, getting your text uh, for uh, each week over the last uh, three and a half weeks so uh, we're going to have another one this morning Uh, and then of course we're giving away the full package courtesy of temper which is uh, the queen mattress the queen adjustable base and the two temper pillows valued at ten thousand dollars but first of all trudy our winner for this week uh, who have you picked uh, for the pillow worth two hundred ninety nine dollars
11: well, there was firstly a highly commended, as always, because it's just so beautiful to have the contact with you guys. So Matt and Blenheim with his text about Bodie, Chris and his text in about surf lifesaving, and Brendan about struggling rugby clubs. They're all finalists for the temper pillow. But the winner today is... Peter with this wonderful text awe-inspiring is the best way to sum up the Black Ferns. They've brought a breath of fresh air to the national, international rugby scene. I was privileged to be at a 2018 function at Eden Park when Black Fern contracts were announced. The ladies there were very humble while rightfully very proud of their achievements. That humbleness coupled with their fantastic comradeship is reflected on and off the rugby field when delivering outstanding performances be it 7s or 15s rugby at all levels that all New Zealanders can be so proud about. I cannot wait to attend next year's Women's Rugby World Cup. Go the Mighty Black Ferns. Cheers, Peter. So that's the winner of the pillow. Sleep well.
2: Thanks, Trudy. Thanks very much. And that was a beautifully worded text and uh, reflecting on a team that's going to play this weekend. Their 100th test match, and that is against England in Exeter of all places. Uh, So Trudy, that's uh, your
3: job out of the way. Uh, JD, now you've got the big prize. Exactly. So the late finalist there, Peter, great text of the week. We had PD as well with another great text. He was a winner of the text of the week, and we had Craig too, who sent in a brilliant text to win text of the week. But this was the winning text, Smithy, of the month. It came three weeks ago, and it was fresh off an All Blacks loss. And boy, did we get a lot of texts that morning after the All Blacks lost to the Springboks. But this one came through and is now the winner of the Text of the Month and that $10,000 package from temper
11: Hi, Smithy. Unfortunately, the run we had under Hanson seems to have given Kiwis an unrealistic sense of grandeur. We always knew that run was going to come to an end and we would come back to reality. And that reality is we are a very good team, but we will lose the odd test. South Africa is also a very good team, so it's unrealistic to think they won't push us most games and also win a fair percentage. History has shown that to be the case, time for Kiwis to give our opposition and a little more respect, rather than just bad-mouthing our team when we lose the odd game. Cheers, Zane.
2: Yeah, that was a text from a fellow by the name of Zane, and uh, the good news is uh, we've got Zane on the line. Good morning to you, Zane.
1: Good morning, Smitty. How you doing, my friend?
2: Yeah, well, well, I'm doing great. You're doing better now, mate, because congratulations, you have just won a $10,000 prize. 10000 Deleros, oh, man. There, boy. <laughs> that is amazing yes boy bon fa, as the great man would say <laughs> that is just fantastic um i love we love that text because it was uh in the and amongst a whole lot which were the knives were out etc that was the voice of reason and you often are uh with uh, the way you've contributed to our shows across the N- snz platform so on the strength of that text alone we thought that you deserved it mate. Right? congratulations so 10 grand's worth of bed coming your way man I, I don't know how you sleep but you'll have no excuse now
5: oh
6: mate absolutely outstanding um yeah first time i've actually spoken to you mate so yeah nice to meet you there you, know, uh, you usually catch me on and out on the uh green green fields of Putta Putta the beach Yeah, so absolutely stoked to, to finally talk to you and thanks to 10 from to for the prize outstanding
2: uh, uh like great mate uh, absolutely fantastic and uh we couldn't think of a a more worthy winner, and uh, please keep in contact with the show and uh, enjoy those fairways of uh, Paraparaumu Beach. Uh, I've walked them myself on many occasions, and uh, at times it can get a bit windy and a bit tough, so uh, what you need to do is when you get home, get a good sleep, and temper are about to give you the most fantastic relaxing sleep uh, for as long as you want, mate. So congratulations again, uh, thanks for being part of the show, and enjoy those Temper products to the value of $10,000. You're the winner, man. Well done. Thanks.
6: Thanks again. Absolutely amazing. Thanks
2: so much and have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. Enjoy the sport. And I know you'll cast a a very watchful eye over it, as will Mark Stafford, who uh, is sitting at the desk, poised to take over now. We gave 10000 bucks away, Steph, so... Um for you, we can't give much more than two minutes of our time, to be honest. It'll be your turn to give away a big prize very, very shortly. What's your show got in store this afternoon? Oh, mate, I charge
12: out at $5,000 a minute, so this is a $10,000 cross. Don't worry about that. Um, I'm all about it. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're actually we're going to do something a bit different today, So We're going to leave the lines open for the first hour because... There's so many things to talk about, and I think we want to give New Zealand a voice on this new INEOS sponsorship on the jersey, how people feel about that. The Quentin de Kock situation, I'm going to read out his full statement, um, because I think that's quite telling, that. And then the news also that Peter O'Sullivan's leaving the Warriors for Redcliffe. Uh, We've lost Roger, we've lost Peter O'Sullivan, we've lost Phil Gould. Um, we're always trying to rebuild but we put the foundation down and come and, someone comes and flogs the walls before we can even start building so it's a bit of a shambles in, in the Warriors uh, Interviews wise, Smithy, a man you'll know well, John Norman, TalkSport UK cricket commentator, he's looking at England's first two games and I'm looking for an impartial view on New Zealand as well, Jeff McTainch, Sport rugby commentator this weekend's NPC Fixtures Our Friday funny, Jeremy Paul, it's the interview that everyone loves Smithy and if you haven't caught up we get the listeners to text and words and phrases. I have to put in the interview with Jeremy Paul, and it can get out of hand. And Katie Brown's back, uh, back our Aussie correspondent. She's joining the show as well. Big old day, Smithy.
2: Yep, big old day to preempt a really big weekend, Steph. So have a good one yourself. I see Johnny Mac there, poised uh, to kick in very shortly. So a uh, great weekend to you as well. Thanks to Trudy. Thanks to Brian. Uh, thanks to John Day, of course, uh, for the excellent work this week. And thanks to the Texters as well. Congratulations to Zane. Go the Blackburns. Go the All Blacks. Go Hawks Bay.